0: What's up, QAA listeners? The fun games have begun.
1: I found a way to connect to the internet. I'm sorry, boy. Boy. Boy.
2: boy. Welcome, listener, to chapter 223 of the QAnon Anonymous
1: Podcast. The 15-minute cities episode. As always, we are your hosts, Jake Rakotansky, Annie Kelly, Julian Fields, and Travis View.
3: Hello there beloved listener, it's Annie Kelly speaking. I've come on the podcast today to talk to you about a new conspiracy theory surrounding something called 15 Minute Cities. It's a topic that's been bubbling around the British conspiracy sphere for a while now, finally culminating in a protest in the city of Oxford, England, that attracted thousands of people from all over the country. Your brave, intrepid and amiable UK correspondent was one of them. You may remember a previous episode from October last year, where I attended a march in London organised by what was left of the anti-lockdown movement in this country, rebranded as the Freedom Movement in opposition to the Nebulous, Many tentacled Great Reset and the nefarious World Economic Forum. What I found was that compared to the thousands of supporters they attracted at the height of lockdown, it was a pretty small crowd of die-hard believers left. I concluded that without that immediate galvanising force of Covid public health policy, the movement was trying but struggling to keep up the momentum, it seems that, strangely, it's found that impetus again with a collection of local traffic and urban planning schemes.
1: When I uh when I worked in a restaurant they had you had breaks right you had a break schedule and you had a, your lunch which everybody took but if you smoked cigarettes you would get a 15 that you could split up into three fives okay. now this was an extra <laughs> okay. break that only so, smokers got and so, so what did I do as like a 19 year old uh-huh. uh, guy who wanted to wait tables for 15 minutes less I started smoking
2: and so the connection here is the 15 minutes.
3: That exact same thing happened to me, Jake, as well. I started smoking probably around exactly the same age because it was a way to get breaks when I worked at a restaurant.
1: Yeah. yeah. They, they were like, oh, you don't poison yourself? You have to work for 15 minutes yeah. more than than the people that do. <laughs>
2: but you could have done the Bill Clinton. Just don't inhale. Just pretend. Take your break.
1: Oh, I... No, no, no.
2: You were getting if it. I was going to do if it. You were gonna, if you were going to pay for the cigarettes, it's fucking expensive. I was going to fucking do
1: it. Well and then
2: here right, we are let's
3: stop talking about smoking because i've given it up for lent and
1: yes it's... okay <laughs>
3: i've given it up for lent and it's really hard
1: all smoking we're that's, really proud that's, of you that's vaporizers as well
2: yep all don't of it. don't Oof. don't remind her of other things <laughs>
1: <laughs> just
2: listing things well, what about uh <laughs> the pouch you put under your tea <laughs> <laughs> yeah
3: so what is the 15 minute city In theory, it's an urban planning framework in which city residents are able to reach essential services, like schools, doctors and supermarkets, within a 15-minute walk or cycle ride from their home.
2: How could anybody be angry at that? It's impossible. End of the episode. Thank you. There's no protest of this idea. It's impossible. It's too milk toast. It's too obviously good. There's no way.
1: Yeah, it sounds good.
2: No fucking way. No fucking way people are going to be angry that they could just walk to the things they need. This no, will finally I mean, break my mind.
3: I do literally live in a 15 minute city right now. It's like why I wanted to live in this neighborhood because everything is within 15 minutes walk. It's great.
2: Yeah. LA is the uh, hour and a half city. If you want to walk.
3: Oxfordshire Council, along with several other local councils in the UK, have signed up to the 15 Minute Club, expressing a commitment to prioritising this in future urban planning. If all of that sounds quite nice to you, as it does to me, then this is only because you are unaware of the chilling agenda of the Great Reset the totalitarian plan to kill off a significant percentage of the population and keep the rest of us pacified and enslaved in our mandatory 15-minute zones. Doesn't (laughs) sound so pleasant now, does it?
2: No, no, now it sounds really (laughs) bad.
3: Okay, I can tell you're not convinced. So what if I told you that alongside signing up to the 15-Minute Club, Oxfordshire Council have been implementing some seemingly unrelated schemes to mitigate heavy traffic in the city of Oxford? This may sound confusing to my Californian co-hosts, but here in the United Kingdom, many of our cities were built before cars ever existed. The combination of increasing car ownership on streets that were designed for travel by horse has meant that driving in many cities at particularly busy times of day has become what urban planning experts call a fucking nightmare. Solving this problem without annoying anybody tends to be the unresolved tension at the heart of the ugliest local politics disputes in the last 50 years or so, and it seems that the latest scuffle in Oxford is no exception. So what have Oxfordshire Council actually done? Well, they've approved a trial scheme starting sometime next year to implement traffic filters on six main roads. These filters would restrict access to drivers during daytime hours, freeing up space for the more congestion-efficient buses, cyclists, and pedestrians. Drivers who feel the need to continue using the select roads during daytime hours can still do so, but will need to apply for a permit to avoid a fine. The permit allows a motorist to drive through the traffic filters for up to 100 days each year.
2: So basically, we are at the stage where... We all have defiant oppositional disorder. This is just, (laughs) if you tell me to do anything at all, anything at all, pick up my dog shit, just fuck you. Fuck you. This is clearly part of a nefarious agenda. That's good. I mean, this is not just like the final throws here. We're not entering a total psychedelic fucking unreality here.
3: Yeah, I mean, because local politics is always, people have always got angry about like where they're allowed to drive and putting in bus lanes and stuff like that. But it just feels like now, in today's kind of political landscape, it's not just like, I'm really angry that you've put this bus lane in. It's like, you are trying to kill and enslave me by putting in this (laughs) bus lane. I'm sorry that so much of this episode so far has been talking about the minutiae of local governance and traffic schemes. I can imagine many listeners may be feeling that this is not really what they signed up for when they started listening to the newest QAnon Anonymous episode. If I'm totally honest, it's not something I have a strong opinion on myself. I've spoken to various local people who said the traffic scheme is good because it gets unnecessary cars off the road, or bad because it means they'll have to spend more time driving the long way round, and frankly I'm smart enough to know when something is simply not my wheelhouse. But what I am interested in, and what I'm going to be talking about today, is how such a dry, ordinary bit of local politics has become translated into an energised, anti-Great Reset, pro-climate denial conspiracy protest. The first sign that something was going very wrong was when Oxfordshire County Council and Oxford City Council had to release a joint statement begging people to stop sending them abuse.
4: Hello everyone. Recently we've seen a lot of misinformation about traffic filters circulating online. This misinformation is being spread by many disreputable sources and it has been extremely disappointing to see it being picked up by the national media outlets as well. These conspiracy theories are causing real world harm and need to stop. We have been receiving many calls and emails from worried residents in genuine fear that they might be locked in their own homes. This is categorically untrue, and we're talking to you today to explain the truth. To reassure residents and set the record straight, we want to be absolutely clear. We are not planning a climate lockdown or a lockdown of any kind. <laughs>
0: The traffic filters will be installed as a trial on six roads in Oxford in 2024. They will not be physical barriers. (laughs) They're not steel walls or electronic gates. They're simply traffic cameras that can read number plates. If a vehicle passes through, the camera will read the number plate and, if you do not have an exemption or a residence permit, you will receive a fine in the post. By restricting through traffic at certain times of day, they work in exactly the same way as the existing traffic cameras in the high street. There's been a lot of commentary that the filters will separate communities and stop people from visiting loved ones. This is not true. You will still be able to drive your car freely to every single part of the city.
2: Okay, well, there's clearly Karl Schwab off camera holding a script and <laughs> a gun. These poor these poor council members are, are, you know, under duress, uh, they're being held in a nondescript beige room. They look really tired, and <laughs> they have to talk about this. I mean, even they aren't enthusiastic about this. It's un <laughs> unfucking believable this is, this is so excellent.
3: I know. Bless them.
2: It is kind
5: of quaint that they feel that this sort of earnest, direct... Plea to stop spreading conspiracy theories and uh, attempt to set the record straight will have any impact. I mean, I feel yeah. like I feel like I feel like a lot of like local officials, at least in the United States, have just like given up. You know, they'll just they'll just plod along, and if they think that um, you know their work is part of a nefarious globalist plot, then yeah, they can't help that. No,
3: I definitely felt the same thing. I mean, yeah, bless them. I can I can see that they really felt like they were pushed into a corner on this. But the minute you've got like, yeah, a counselor just looking to the camera being like, We're not going to do climate lockdowns. We're not going really? to lock you in yeah. your home.
6: Don't list don't list
2: the crazy things. Never go on camera and list exactly the crazy things yeah. that the conspiracy yeah. theorists are pushing. Because they're gonna be like, Well, look,
1: they're saying they're not doing the exact thing I'm scared of. We yeah, will. Coincidence? Exactly. I repeat, I repeat, we will not be dragging you from your homes and <laughs> inserting you into a guillotine. I swear, <laughs> I swear on my mother's grave, I will not be eating your eldest child.
3: <laughs> yeah, so uh, unsurprisingly, this statement seemed to do little to quell the rumors. In the Freedom Movement groups I'm part of on Telegram and Facebook, I began to notice heavy promotion for an event in Oxford set for February the 18th. Here's some of the ways that protest was advertised.
1: Councils in England signed up to implement 15-minute zoning restrictions. If this is allowed to become fully enforced in Oxford, the test site, it will be like (laughs) dominoes falling into line for the other areas slated for what are effectively climate lockdowns. It's vital that we make our voices heard in loud opposition to this Hunger Games society insanity. I don't think face. that Hunger Games is what they want. Actually, you know, you release, you know, a hundred, a hundred people onto onto an island, and yeah, you but know, the
2: island is the UK. Survival of the fittest. I yeah. mean,
1: <laughs> what conspiracy
2: theorist doesn't want to crack at that? You know. Yeah, but, it's, but they're, it's like you're in a dome and you're having the rich people watch you. That's what they're worried about. It's not that mm-hmm. their miserable lives are already b- a bit like the Hunger Games. Yeah. It's that there's some snickering motherfucker, some wealthy, nefarious bastard who's in like a kind of invisible audience seat and he's watching them stub their toes. Wearing like he's a- <laughs> watching them have to drive three minutes longer to get to work, you know? And
7: laughing, he is laughing. <laughs>
2: The post then says, stop Oxford, no 15-minute cities, hashtag our community, our choice, hashtag no dystopian districts, hashtag no LTNs. They want people to come by around 1 p.m. to Broad Street, stand with
1: Oxford UK to resist 15-minute cities. It could be your town or city next. Somewhere there's got to be like one or two conspiracy theorists with like a sick mother or sick kid at home. And they go, oh, man, you know, 15 minutes to the hospital. That's that sounds pretty good. <laughs> sounds, I could I could potentially benefit for that. And then they're like, n- 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 no, it's a climate lockdown. Actually, well, if your kid has
2: like asthma attack or something and uh, you're trying to put him in your car and your car's like, I'm sorry. Today is, a, today is a filter day. And then you have to walk 15 minutes with your kid in your arms. Horrible. Yeah. Freaking. No good, actually. Freaking terrible.
3: Discussion of the concept wasn't simply confined to these underground digital spaces, though. Several conservative commentators and politicians got in on the action, too. Although careful to avoid the wildest parts of what's been claimed about 15 Minute Cities, relying on more respectable arguments like threats to local businesses, Mark Dolan of GB News was also keen to stress the risk they pose to individual liberty. Nick Fletcher, a Conservative MP, went one further, calling them an international socialist concept.
0: Mm -hmm. What can you do in 15 minutes? Empty the washing machine and hang up your fresh laundry? Read a couple of chapters of your favourite book? Watch half an episode of How I Met Your Mother? Well, creepy local authority bureaucrats would like to see your entire existence boiled down to the duration of a quarter of an hour, with the arrival of so-called 15-minute cities. This dystopian plan will see roads in some of Britain's most iconic towns and cities being blocked off with cars being restricted to certain areas, all overseen by number plate recognition cameras installed everywhere, with a surveillance culture that would make Pyongyang envious. In some places, your car would have an allowance to drive on certain streets for a fixed number of days in the year. Some roads out of bounds to all. Many consider this idea laudable, 15-minute cities make everything walkable. You can go by foot to grab a coffee, do your grocery shopping, have a pint. And if you don't fancy walking, everything you need is just a five-minute bicycle ride away. Lovely. (laughs) Fans of this scheme say it will deal with traffic and congestion and make life easier, more convenient and sustainable for locals. Except that, as the MP Nick Fletcher, who's raised a question about this in Parliament, points out, these low-traffic neighbourhoods are having an impact on small businesses given the lack of passing trade they now receive. Take a listen.
8: Hello, the leader, please set aside some time in this house for a debate on the international socialist concept of so-called 15-minute cities and 20-minute neighbourhoods. Ultra-low emission zones in their present form do untold economic damage to any city. However, the second step after these zones will take away personal freedoms as well. Yep. Sheffield is already on this journey and I do not want Doncaster, which is also a Labour-run socialist council, to do the same. Low-emission zones cost a taxpayer money, simple as. However, 15-minute cities will cost us our personal freedom and that cannot be right.
3: Now, as you guys might remember me talking about on this podcast before, it's always been my instinct that the UK anti-lockdown movement had morphed into something more like general climate denial via conspiracy theories like the Great Reset and it looked to me like that might be exactly what was brewing here. But it's difficult to tell via vague telegram messages that are obviously designed to be as eye-catching and dramatic as possible exactly what participants in the movement itself think, so I decided to head down to Oxford myself to try and talk to some protesters. Oxford, for those of you who've never been, is a really beautiful city. The city centre is built around the colleges that make up Oxford University, established around 1096, and so is crammed full of ornate old buildings and medieval churches, connecting by winding cobbled streets. I spent the morning before the protest wandering around with no real destination in mind, just marvelling at the romance of it all. And then, as the time ticked down for the protest to begin, I headed to Broad Street, a wide, pedestrianised area that felt more like a public Square, sat directly in front of the magnificent Trinity College. Things were already in full swing when I arrived. I'd guess a little under 500 people already. As with every protest I've attended that's been organised by the Freedom Movement, it was very much a jovial, party-ish vibe, with several people playing music through loudspeakers and joyful reunions occurring everywhere as people recognised each other from previous events. One of the first things I was confronted with was a man dressed up as what I can only describe as a cross between a Satanist, a Soviet soldier, and the executive chairman of the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab. The costume was not half assed either. He wore a black trench coat with sewn in patches of various esoteric or Satanist symbols, black leather gloves, and a full face helmet with a laminated picture of Mr. Schwab's face on it. He carried a sign that
2: read, Oxford 2024, 15 minute city where East Berlin meets the Hunger Games. Oxford 2030, you'll own nothing and be happy. In
3: between the two predictions was a picture of Schwab and, strangely enough, Greta Thunberg, dressed in Soviet-era East German police uniform. I actually double-checked with my husband, who, like all husbands, loves being asked to identify historical military uniform. (laughs) And he said it was specifically the uniform of the border guards who prevented people escaping over the wall. Like I said, this guy really put the effort in.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you're at home sewing satanic patches onto your custom coat, I mean, yeah, you're (laughs) you're going to a high-end Halloween event.
3: The imposter came with his own mic and loudspeaker and began performing little villain monologues for other protesters in a comedy German accent. Oh no,
2: he's doing the funny wogs. No, we should have never shown them Monty Python.
6: (laughs) Then the fourth industrial revolution emerges. You useless eaters shall be my serfs. You shall bow to me as your master. (laughs) (laughs)
9: We'll <laughs> have a cute guy, so Hello. Yeah, is this. How are
6: you? Oh, very good. What's down here? Oh, what's this? From the yeah. left, are you? Pardon? We don't need you around here. We don't need you, eh? You need the World Economic Freak Show to tell you how to think, how to eat, and where you can travel. I and know. also, when you can shit. Oh,
10: exactly.
6: <laughs> 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 My grandfather in 1944 followed in his divine task. I shall accomplish it by 2040. You <laughs> shall eat nothing. Dogs will be a luxury for your useless eaters.
2: By 2040, you will no longer be able to have a little wank. You will no longer be able to sheet. <laughs>
5: It's interesting how, you know, uh, I guess, wariness or skepticism or even hostility towards administrators who make decisions that affect the rest of us has sort of transformed into a hatred of any planning for the future at all. If someone in a position of power says they have plans for the future, then uh, that means that they're actually trying to enslave you.
1: Well, Travis, unless that plan is to drag the politicians out of parliament and put their heads in the thing. thing.
2: (laughs) I mean, this makes sense to me. That's a good plan for the future. If you can no longer imagine a future, then why not protest it? Why not? fight it you know why? you know why there's no future you know why i can't imagine a future because there's a conspiracy to make me hopeless i'm gonna fight any administrator at any level i'm furious at the entire system and um yeah the, their brains are short-circuiting i don't know this actually makes more sense than i thought it would <laughs>
3: Uh, but no, uh, no, I think that's really true, actually. And yeah, it's something I think this movement, whenever I kind of encounter them, it's something, yeah, that strikes me a lot is how they're kind of just like against the idea of government at yes. all, really. Mm-hmm. They have no real conception of a government that could do anything, could provide any kind of future plan or infrastructure or scheme, anything that wouldn't be punitive, do you know? yeah like, no, so they it's not always any kind of idea or proposal always gets reframed in their mind as like the most punitive version of it that could happen.
2: yeah, I mean, that's it. I mean, at the at, if you boil it down, it's like we don't trust you to take care of us. We don't trust mm. you to do anything.
3: Yeah. so yeah, this Schwab impression was all very amusing and strange, but it posed a bit of a problem for me. The impersonator was pulling in throngs of protesters, but while they remained in range of the loudspeaker, any interviews I tried to get there would be unlistenable. <laughs> So I disentangled myself from the small crowd and wandered as far away as I could to see if I could manage to speak to some sensible protesters who weren't enticed by such antics. The first guy I spoke to was an older gentleman with white hair and thick dark eyebrows, wearing a flat cap who it turned out when I said the name of the podcast actually recognized me from a previous protest I'd covered so good news everybody I'm not just collecting data at these things I'm potentially netting us new listeners
2: oh boy let's hope they don't actually listen (laughs)
3: they might
2: might not be so happy to see you next time
3: okay so your sign says the 15 minute city were you ever asked stand up Could you tell me what that means?
11: Right, it means that um, the council apparently is going to enforce this or just impose this without the consent of the people. And it means that you may not drive your car from one zone to another at certain times of the day. Um, I have lived all my life as a free man. I've been able to drive more or less where where I want legally and all of a sudden we are getting these um, zones put in without so much as by our leave and we're told it's all for our own good when it's in fact for control that's about the long and the short of it okay
3: that's great and are you local do you live locally
11: no no, i come west london so uh, i'm coming coming by the oxford tube today oh nice
3: yeah so you've come in in solidarity then
11: yes that's right well you know if it happens here it'll happen elsewhere So it's got to be stopped.
3: Yeah, I've heard about some tests being done in Canterbury as well. Do you know anything about that?
11: I understand it's going to be done in Canterbury and a few other cities, yeah. Colchester. Oh, I didn't know
12: that.
3: And so what's the... I know you said it's about control, but what's the goal of these 15-minute cities? Like, why are they imposing them? I think
11: it's just to reduce car travel, you know. Which is no bad thing in itself, but, you know, some people need their cars, you know, and want it to have um, individual transport when they want it. Why shouldn't they? That's
3: great. Anything else you wanted to say?
11: I think that's about the long and the short of it, oh. so I think, yeah. And, and you are?
3: Uh, my name's Annie. I work Annie. for a podcast Annie. called uh, QAnon Anonymous.
11: QAnon, oh yeah. yeah. Right, okay. Have I spoken to you before? I think I might have done it. Maybe at Speaker's Corner.
3: Yeah, you might have done actually. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he
11: was... Yeah, you might
1: have. You might have figured out my my LARP here. <laughs> I think he just
2: he's, he's still like QAnon. Cool. Yeah. Uh, you know. Oh yeah, of course. But it is very funny where you're like, okay, so what's the plan here? Well, it's to limit car traffic. It's I like, know. Right? Damn. <laughs> this is what gets you like up on the tube (laughs) and to a protest like that that seems that seems like small potatoes man there's a few other things you could be protesting
3: (laughs) it's what i find so strange about like the great reset just in general the way on the one hand it's this absolutely diabolical plan right for world domination and then on the other it's just so small scale it's so piecemeal it's just like what do they want to do with this world domination well they want to stop us driving cars so much
2: I don't know. Yeah, it's, well, I think for them, it's like the beginning, right? Like this is, they think they're in the early movie where it's like, we ignored the signs. They came, they came for our cars
1: on Tuesdays and Thursdays and
2: we said nothing.
3: Yeah, that's exactly right.
1: Yeah, it's like um, we're gonna have to reassemble the podcast in thirty years when they, uh, when all drivable vehicles are swapped out for self-driving cars on highways that you know eliminates traffic and waiting times. There's gonna be somebody with a giant pickup truck that's like, they can take my car from my cold <laughs> dead hands. Yeah, my gas-powered automobile. It's my God-given right to drive it wherever the fuck I want it is sad and that at this point into whoever i want
2: at this point in america like you know you're just hoping for self driving cars not not public transportation not some nice trains or a subway no
1: i want what they had in um the f- the movie version of iRobot starring okay. will smith okay. um <laughs> there's a there's a great scene where he's got this really cool audi but it's like a self-driving thing but then during an action sequence like he's got to take it off autopilot and drive on this crazy freeway of all automated cars really good scene
3: the next person i spoke to was a very friendly middle-aged brunette lady with sunglasses and a fringe she was there with a group of friends carrying a sign that said no to 15 minute cities and surveillance I asked her if she could explain what it meant and she agreed.
13: Well, 15-minute cities, this is not something that's just happening in Oxford, it's not something that's just happening in the UK, it's worldwide. Um, It's known for those who want to find out about it. If anybody wants to look at the World Economic Forum in Davos, they've been talking about it for years now. Um, It's been planned for years, it's not a new thing, but it's been sneaked in um, gradually by councils all over the place. People are now only realising um, what's going on. Um, it's all about surveillance. Um, what they've been doing in China for years. They've been practicing, it seems, over there. Now they want to bring it over to us. They're saying it's um, for the good of humanity to try and save um, the climate. That's all false.
3: And what would a what
13: would a 15 minute city involve? Can you talk us through what it looks like? Um, 15 Minutes city, apparently, it's not 15 minutes by car, it's 15 minutes walk, 15 minutes walk to a place and back within 15 minutes. Um, they, they believe you can have everything within walking distance, um, your shops, your doctors, everything. Um, countries just haven't got the infrastructure for that, um, so it just wouldn't work. You know, it's all sort of pie in the sky, they're using it, as to bring in control. And I know for a
3: lot of people it's feeling quite reminiscent of, like, the lockdowns, you know, again, the same sort of thing if you can only go for a half-hour walk once yeah. a day. Yeah. Is it connected? Am I, have I got um, that right?
6: Yeah,
13: yeah, it is, it is connected. If you look back when, when lockdown, that was the time when they got out in the streets, they started putting all the cameras up, they started narrowing the roads, they started putting in all the bus lanes, uh, the cycle lanes are people the one allowed to go out cycling, so yes, it's all connected. It's all part of the plan. Um, and
3: what's the what's the end game you know you said that this has been tested in China so it's it's worldwide essentially what's the what's the plan why do they want to control where we go to surveil us
13: um, you i think people've got to do their own research and find out what the plan is take take it you can look at things like the committee of Firm 300 um, read lots of books out there it's been going on for years um, yeah, that's all I can say, really. I'm sort of late to the game. People have known about this for 30, 40 years. I've only known about it for two, three. <laughs> but yeah, it's oh, out really, there. That's
3: interesting. So yeah. when
13: did you first find out about it? Um, when I first found out about it, I used to watch TV. And uh, during lockdown, during the pandemic, I used to flick over from channel to channel. And I noticed on two channels... There was the same hospital walled, apparently it was in Italy and it was in New York. Um, and now I've seen in Melbourne, they showed the same uh, passenger, uh, same patients, different doctors using the same backdrop. That's that's what woke me out. Yeah,
3: that's really interesting. Yeah. I've never heard of that. So can you find that on YouTube if someone collected it or
13: something like that? Um, I've got a picture of it on my phone. Oh really <laughs> um, let, let, let me try and find it
2: so i went crazy watching tv when COVID hit cool yeah that's awesome
3: really common story <laughs> actually yep. from a lot of people i spoke to
1: i like that you can hear the dogs in the background getting in on the protest <laughs> you know yeah.
3: oh, 15 cities. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I asked her to show me the picture and we stood a little awkwardly while she tried to find it on her phone for a good couple of minutes. Of course. I actually felt really bad for having asked her for it as she scrolled through what seemed like an absolute bounty of anti-vaccine, anti-lockdown memes. Eventually, she gave up and asked if she could email it to me. I gave her my email, not expecting to hear anything from it, but later that day she obligingly did send it on. Here it is so my fellow podcasters can analyze it.
2: So it's a stuck-together photo of different, I guess, uh, TV channels. Mm. CBS on NYC, March 25th, and Sky News reporting on Italy, March 22nd. So the claim here is that they're using the same prop room to show two different, I guess, you know, they're supposed to be two different cities. And they they used it again, 7 News Melbourne reporting on Victorian hospitals, July 18th. And then it says... It's all a show.
3: Yeah, I kind of wonder if they may just be getting confused about like the concept of stock footage. Yeah,
2: Do yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're showing like stock footage while they report because you often don't have on the ground uh, images, so you're just going to yeah. show like a hospital ward or whatever. And uh, and people are like, "Yeah, it's they're they're baking, they're baking the wards, they're baking the mm-hmm. the TV, they're finding yeah. meaning."
3: It's really funny. I'm I'm in a bit of stock footage sometimes. Some footage of me as a baby getting fed in my high chair will show up on Channel Four News when they want to like do a story about babies or children or something what? like that.
2: Wait, what? Wait! 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 Yeah. Why? Why? How? What happened? How did <laughs> you? You're a little national. You're the national baby. Everyone's the like, "The baby." baby. Yeah. There's the
12: baby.
3: <laughs> yeah. So it, it came from. Um, well, my my dad was the primary stay-at-home parent uh in the early 90s when um i was growing up and this was this still being the 90s this was like still considered really strange and Mm -hmm. i think one time channel 4 news decided to do a feature on stay at home dads the Mm -hmm. strange new trend yeah and so yeah they, they came to our house and and just like filmed him feeding me and then i guess interviewed him a bit about what it's like being you know the only dad at the school gates and and things like that but yeah, because that footage is theirs now, just occasionally when there's a story about babies or childcare or something like that, it's just me, me two yeah, years old getting I've, fed in my high chair.
2: I've come, out, I've come out from West London to protest that they're taking the <laughs> national baby off TV. They don't want to show you the national baby anymore. There's no more babies
1: being born. They're showing us the same baby from 1996. <laughs> there's no more babies. It's all a show. (laughs) I can't wait. I can't wait till Channel 5 comes back and it's like, she graced the screens of your television sets in the early 90s, being fed by her father. What is the national baby up to now? uh well i do a podcast uh called q anonymous
2: the national baby has become an extremist
1: <laughs> the, 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 the national baby has been arrested <laughs> oh fuck
3: Oh, well, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed that story so much.
2: Oh, excellent. Annie yeah. is national baby now yeah. for forever. <laughs> yeah, I love this. I
1: love this piece of, <laughs> of trivia about you.
3: Anyway, so just as I was about to walk away from that same lady, she started commenting to me on something else that had woken her up, which was politicians repeating the slogan, Build Back Better. I wasn't recording at this point, so I quickly switched the mic on and asked her to repeat it for me.
13: So, sorry, we just want to repeat that for me. Yeah, the other thing what actually woke me up to what was going on was everybody was saying Build Back Better. There was Boris Johnson saying it and then there was um, Joe Biden was saying it. At the time, he wasn't... a president um, and then I keyed in Build Back Better and it was Trudeau, it was everybody and then it linked it back to the World Economic Forum and that's how I came to do that. I bought Klaus Schwab's book, it's all in there and that's, that's how I pieced it all together. That's really interesting, so what does he, what does he say in his book? Um, Not not to be on
3: the spot. I won't be going to look it
13: up, but like paraphrase it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's um, what they want to do: control humanity. The fourth industrial revolution. They want everybody to be chipped and uh, not to be human anymore. It's very dark and deep. And yeah, I also saw um, from the um, Canadian Parliament there was documents that were leaked out of there, and it had all of this. It had about zoning people, controlling people, kettling people in like animals. So, yeah, it's, yeah.
3: And is this the first protest you've come out to?
13: No, 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 I've been in London. I was in London um, before, June um, Brexit. Um, and so a lot of the people um, I met through them, not everybody's on the same side, you know? And it's got nothing to do with politics, it's all to do with right or wrong. Not far right, we're just far from wrong.
2: (laughs) So, okay, so... The first one was stock footage, and this this, mm. this one is stock slogans. This, yeah. <laughs> basically, this awful reality we live in is so shit and so degraded. Everything is so uh, repetitive, and it's just the same promises over and over. People mm. are reusing each other's phrases. We've run out of ideas, and so we're baking all of this and feeling you know, this uncomfortable sense of unreality. Uh, incredible. And, and by the way, at the end, did she say f- far right is far Far from wrong?
3: She said, we're not far right, we're far from wrong.
2: Okay. And,
3: okay. Um, yeah, in fact, that was, like, something that a lot of people would say to me. Or, well, like, there was another woman, I think she said something like, we're not far right, but we've been right so far. Oh, it's, wow. Yeah. So they all have talking points so, for when they get called So they're called coming up right. with their own funny little slogans as well. I mean, I... Okay. <laughs> Good, good, good. Say that's a conspiracy. Oh,
2: good, 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 good.
3: But yeah, I think that it was on a lot of people's mind because there was supposedly an anti-fascist protest happening, uh, a counter-protest to this one. Although, yeah, I never actually saw it, so I don't don't know where it was. But yeah, people people seem to be expecting some kind of anti-fascist sort of resistance. But yeah, one thing about that interview... Sometimes you listen back and you kick yourself for not asking another question, and I do get that one there. It's really easy to miss something important when you're on the ground because your adrenaline's pumping, there's so many people wandering around, and you don't want to miss your opportunity to jump onto the next interview. And yeah, anyway, this is one of those where I wish I'd followed up with that lady about what she meant about being in London during Brexit and having met a lot of people there because if I wanted to speculate, it sounded like she was saying that she and some other protesters had originally met either at a pro or anti Brexit protest and formed a little community that way which had then been radicalised during the pandemic but since I didn't ask her I can't, I can't be 100% sure that's what she meant. The next lady I spoke to was also middle aged with blonde curly hair glasses and a silver puffer jacket. Her sign read Say No to 15 Minute Ghettos and then had something on the back calling the scheme communism. I asked her to talk about what it meant to her.
4: 15 um, Minute Cities are not a, a recent thing. They have been in planning for a while and I think it's another attempt to try and control us in the same way that lockdowns did. Um, The idea sounds great that you get everything within 15 minutes from where you live um, so that you start cycling and walking. Great idea but if your job requires you to work outside of that zone or you have relatives that live outside of that zone or whatever it may be we, we have the right... Under natural law, to travel freely, and nobody should deny us that right, and nobody should control that freedom, and that's why um, I, I think um, the government is becoming a tyrannical fascist state, um, and we need to do what we can to stand up and say no. I do not consent. Are you from Oxford? Have you come far? Stone Market in Suffolk.
3: Oh, okay. Oh, I'm from Norfolk. Actually. Okay. okay yeah. Um, people will be saying, you know, well, 15-minute cities is an Oxford thing. What brings you
4: all the way here? What do you respond to that? Well, there's been an East Anglian Gazette article that Ipswich is going to be one of the first 15-minute towns. It's happening in Norfolk, it's happening in Canterbury. This is a test to see how much the people will tolerate, I think. Um, So, if it works here, they'll roll it out everywhere else. And by work, I mean whether people will be compliant
2: interesting the natural law thing and the traveling thing she's been consuming some sovereign citizen material Mm,
3: yeah it's actually funny you should mention that because of the thing we next started talking about so as you can hear, the music was getting really loud. So I asked if she wouldn't mind moving back for us to continue our conversation.
1: That was awesome. Awesome, by the way, that beat coming in made, <laughs> made, that, made that interview uh, 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 verging on art.
3: It always happens to me. Every time I just start an yeah. interview, someone just starts blaring it out. Yeah, just like
1: fun like edm tunes i mean part of me wonders like are they really upset by this or do they just want an excuse to like pour out into the streets like listen to some music and shout because like that's the only thing that feels good and it actually doesn't matter like what the topic is as long as long as it feels in some way like you know some kind of government oppression that you can you know push back against like it doesn't matter like they just want to get outside you know just dance to some tunes uh, answer a couple questions make some signs i mean feels good feels good to have a community feels good to be connected to you know people in your town you know yeah t- and it's so far everyone's been traveling from outside of
2: town so.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> no i think that's 100 right like one thing that is very like characteristic of these protests and this movement is that it's always a very fun atmosphere do you know like it's always pretty friendly pretty party-ish it's a nice nice vibe Yeah, so the next thing I wanted to ask her about was the Great Reset. And she actually made what I thought was a pretty decent point about climate change and how many of the initiatives set up to combat the problem were more about greenwashing some pretty problematic industries. She used electric cars as an example. Then she moved on to another bugbear of the freedom movement, the Cashless Society. And I was seeing lots of signs referencing, like, Klaus Schwab, the Great Reset. Are 15-Minute Cities part of the Great Reset? Are they
4: part of the training? I, I think it's all connected um, so Klaus Schwab said that COVID-19 was a perfect opportunity to bring in the Great Reset. And um, 15 Minute Cities have appeared from nowhere, but it, it's not a new, if you if you look, there, there's reference to it going back um, a good number of years ago, but it's suddenly become um, the, the new thing because of climate change. And I, th- I think, um, bringing in the climate emergency is another if you if you invoke an emergency it gives you powers to control people that you wouldn't normally have and i think um, a lot of the supposed climate initiatives aren't green they're just greenwashing. they're creating um, a a, a new industry for businesses um, in environmental aspects but, but it's not really green at all. Um, and, I, and I think we're, we're still being encouraged to buy things, just green things. And actually, the, the, the solution is to consume less. You know, Have your phone for five years, not one year. Um, make make um, goods that are repairable by the person that lives in the home, not having to throw it away. We, we live in a throwaway society. Trying to like spend your way out
3: of climate change, essentially. Um, the
4: the thing is, it, it it's the same people behind the same industries. So, you're you're, but by, by you, if you're if on the consumer bandwagon, it, it's these large corporations that um, are winning all the time. So the the ULEs expansion of ULEs in London, you can see that Amazon are, are primed to to take that over. They've got all the electric vehicles which aren't green um, and they are recharged by power stations that are using gas, fired by coal and gas. So it's it's just all smoke and mirrors.
3: Is climate change the new COVID? Yes. How do you mean that?
4: Well, it's another um, opportunity to declare an emergency and, and invoke special powers. And the The next thing is the cashless society, Um, I've got some cash 20s which I'll I'll give you Um, because governments are looking to bring in digital IDs and have them implemented by December this year, consultation ends March this year and once they've done that there's no barrier to them um, getting rid of cash, they're already employing uh, putting adverts out for people doing the CDBCs No, that's really helpful, thank you.
3: One more question, I'll let you go. This has been great. Um, Where did you learn about this? Or I guess, rephrase, if someone wanted to learn about this, where should they go?
4: I read a book eight years ago called The Falsification of History by John Hamer, and that was my wake-up call, realising that all the apparently random events occurring in the world were actually all connected. Um, You know, going back to 9-11, etc. That was just one more way to um, increase surveillance to make people feel safer and they were quite happy to accept a reduction in their freedom to because they felt safer and it's the same with COVID um, they accepted being locked in their houses because they felt safer and
3: So So I'd never heard of that book that she mentioned before, The Falsification of History by John Hamer, but as a diligent researcher, I promptly ordered a copy. Unfortunately, it still hasn't arrived by the time of writing this episode, so here's what the blurb says.
1: The book relates the current insidious plight facing the human race as a direct result of a grand deception that has been imposed upon it for tens of thousands of years, if not longer. This has been perpetrated by the systematic ongoing falsification of history in much the same way as perpetrated by the powers that be in the suspiciously prophetic novel 1984 by George Orwell. We have all been deceived on a monumental scale by a tiny clique of people who by their own birthright and bloodlines absolutely believe that they have the divine right to rule over us by whatever method best suits their purpose. In order to achieve this, they have lied, deceived, murdered, and even committed genocide down the millennia in an attempt to bring their ultimate goal to fruition. Find out about the use of drugs, vaccinations, microchipping, mind control, transhumanism, and 24-7 distractions such as non-stop sports, entertainments, and the invasive celebrity culture that attempts to pervade our whole lives. Well, I feel very lucky because I I did not get captured by the sports. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I yeah. somehow dodged, I somehow dodged that. Yeah. And it's it's too bad because a lot of a lot of people, a lot of guys specifically, they can't avoid that pitfall. I mean, they see mm. a couple of greased-up boys on a field tossing a, mm. a ball back and forth, they're hooked. Greased you know? up, huh? Gre- <laughs> Greased up, you know? Greased Go- up boys. Goosed up. They goose them up a little bit. They grease up they the boys. goose them up a little okay. bit, you know? Okay. Make them look real big, you know? Extra pads, you know? A couple of gladiators on the field. Goosed up. What is happening? Tossing a frisbee back and forth, and they're hooked, and they're making plans around, and they're building fantasy leagues. I mean, a lot of people are trapped in this matrix, and I'm very happy to to have somehow avoided that, possibly by getting into uh, musical theater at a young age. Yeah, by getting beat up by the greased up boys. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
3: (laughs) No, I mean, that's actually, that's a really nice way of looking at it, Jake. I'm also like not particularly into sports. So yeah, maybe this is actually, it feels like quite a depressing theory that this book is putting forward. But there's there's another spin you can have on it. You can be like, oh, they didn't get me. I don't like football. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The next guy I spoke to was a very stylish, hipsterish looking man with grey quiff hair and a waxed handlebar moustache. He had a pretty bold sign which read, Say no to Agenda 2030, there is no climate crisis. And Oxford City Council, you represent us, you don't rule us. You might remember me talking about Agenda 2030 on a previous episode. It's essentially a UN wish list for sustainable development. I, somewhat cynically, called it a comprehension reading test for UN nations with no real power to change anything. But my interviewee had a very different impression, which he expanded on at length.
14: So Agenda 2030 is the UN's um, sustainable development goals, 17 sustainable development goals that will basically enslave the human race. Um, It's done in the name of sustainability, but it's actually it's all about control. It's all about taking away our freedoms, taking away our rights, probably taking away our property as well, um, and reducing us to serfs. So um, it's something that people don't really know much about, and I'm here to publicise that and get people thinking about that. Things like 15 Minute Cities all come out of Agenda 2030 and Agenda 21, these UN initiatives. It's all part of that. It's all part of that that um, movement to take away our cars in the false, um, under the false premise that it will help climate change. It won't, it'll have no impact on climate change. It's just an excuse, the climate change thing is just an excuse to remove our freedoms, impose control, impose digital IDs, impose all the framework of, of restrictions that they're aiming at. Central bank digital currencies, social credit scores, this this whole apparatus that they've got lined up coming down the coming down the pipeline, um, and we, we need to push back while we still can. So that's the agenda 2030. bit. The there is no. There is no climate crisis bit is the fact that there is no climate crisis. It's a completely artificial um, construct that they're using as an excuse. Climate changes, I appreciate climate changes. I don't deny climate changes, but I'm saying it's not a crisis. There's no evidence that there's a crisis. All of the climate models have proven to be hopelessly inaccurate. They are not predictors of the future and they can't even recreate Past climate conditions using their models, which is just prima facie evidence that the, the models are useless, not to be taken seriously, and we shouldn't take climate um, zealots um, seriously either. So it's a bit controversial, but that's the point of saying that. And You represent us, you don't rule us. It's the whole thing that Oxford City Council are pushing through with this 15-minute city concept when they're um, all of the um, community outreach that they've performed so far has returned results that 90% of the people of Oxford are vehemently against this idea and yet they're going to push ahead with it anyway. So it's totally anti-democratic. It's, it's, it's totally indicative of the fact that Oxford City Council don't believe that they, or don't feel that they represent... The electorate who put them in their positions they answer to other powers and those other powers are the un the world economic forum these these supranational undemocratic organizations that seem to we've come to realize are are all around us all around us dictating policies this is a complete um top-down um movement to to restrict us and control us Um, it's all coming from the elites. It's all coming from the power structures. It's all coming from unelected people who are like Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab, who are have a vision for complete human control in the name of other things that they think they can use as a as a tool. And that's what my story ends about.
3: One question that had been coming to my mind constantly while I chatted with people was that they were all very clear that they were standing against the Great Reset, a plot set in motion by international elites for world domination. It felt kind of weird then that we were at a protest that was so decidedly local, saying no to one very specific traffic scheme in one small part of the country. I decided to ask, as gently as possible, why he thought this might be. Why do you think it's happening in Oxford?
6: I mean.
14: Why has Oxford been chosen as the sort of um, the, the, the trial, the, the test bed for this concept? Um, I don't know. I could hazard a guess. I could hazard a guess that it's a it's a liberal city that people will be very um, pro the the idea of it. That they'll think it's a good initiative. That um, that, that they'll be flattered that they've been chosen uh, to be first, and they're going to make a damn success of it. You know, to show how. Um, what 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 good people they are um, so yeah I think they've got
15: all the students as well I think the, up, the yeah. student
14: population helps yes it's a young city um, very you know people people like to virtue signal given half a chance and they'll 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 feel good about themselves that they're doing something to help the planet mistakenly believing they're doing something to help the planet um, but if it takes bed here if it if it takes route in Oxford There's a hundred councils around the country that that are waiting for an opportunity to do the same thing. So we have to nip this in the bud.
3: The second I saw the next person you'll be hearing from, I knew I had to interview him. When you hear me read out his sign, I think you'll understand why. He looked to be in his 30s or maybe 40s and had a shaved head with a bushy auburn beard. He had some runes tattooed on the side of his head. So usually I start by reading out your sign, but that is a lot of words. So I'm going to try and summarize and say uh, it's photos of various politicians. You've got Trudeau, Biden, Macron. Bill Gates, Fauci, Sadiq Khan, and it all says wanted for crimes against humanity. You've also got something at the top that says stop the adrenochrome harvesting of our children. Um, do you want to tell me what that means?
8: I think it's it's, it's, a, it's a subject that's pretty in-depth for many people to understand, and um just of late they had a march in London outside Buckingham Palace about the child trafficking situation and I think out of everything the agenda of 2030 and the Great Reset, the main thing that concerns me out of all of it is the, the, the over-sexualisation of children, the subject of children and I've got two young children myself and um, it frightens me that a lot of these cases are coming out now where these children have been abused by many of these top elites and um, political figures. and they're still running the course with this agenda trying to push on these smart cities and and digital currency and the vax harms they've done to to the innocent peoples of this country and around the world and it concerns me that these guys are still walking freely and roaming the streets and still speaking on behalf of us and and allowing themselves to become um, maybe much more powerful than we are you know and, 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 and accepting and hoping that we accept the agenda they're pushing out. And I think they need to go away for a very long time, especially for the harms against children. And I know adrenaline crime is a really tough subject. And for many people, they'll turn a blind eye and they'll ignore it. But the young children have been pushed into these positions in, with these political figures, and they've seen some real sickening and harrowing things and it it does take a lot to go down to a rabbit hole and delve deep and see these true crimes and they go deeper than what we're standing here for today but it is part of the agenda and we need to allow these these high profile figures to be pulled out onto the limelight and 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 really look at the true crimes against children you know mainly for me yeah
3: there's so much there isn't there and it can feel like even just learning about one kind of part of agenda 2030 or something like that could take
8: Years. Years, yeah, yeah, absolutely does take years. So,
3: you know, like, what's the, how does it all fit together? What's the, like, master plan, if there is one? If I
8: think if, the, if there's a master plan, and, and, it, and it feels really sad that, you know, in our day and age of 21st century where you've got kind, compassionate, loving, caring souls that are only standing here because they believe they want a better future for themselves, their children, their grandchildren. The agenda is, is that they want to take full control of our lives away from us, it's not about money anymore, they're, they're rich people, they don't need the money, they've, it's gone past money aspect, it's control over humanity and they get a kick out of the feeling that, the, that we're below their feet almost, you know, we're mere peasants as Boris Johnson once said, we were peasants, we're bottom feeders and and I believe everyone has a right uh, to a free um, free life and, and, and a, and a um, peaceful life as well. And, If we don't stop it now, my children will suffer um, the consequences that our ancestors did 100 years ago. This has happened over and over again throughout history and they're pushing the same agendas, the same push with medical procedures and mandates and restrictions on the people of this country and around the world and they believe that we're folding and we're going to cripple under pressure and I'm not going to do that. I have to go out of this world knowing that I've done everything for my two children um, so that they'll have a better future and, and hopefully one day they'll understand that.
2: They want us to be able to walk within 15 minutes to the adrenochrome farms. (laughs) They want an adrenochrome farm near every home. up to this point, almost
3: everyone I'd spoken to when asked what it was that had woken them up to the nefarious plans of the Great Reset had given a somewhat similar answer. Something like, I didn't like lockdowns, and then I started looking into why they were actually wrong, then I found out that Covid was never real at all, and now I'm realising the same about climate change too. This guy though had a very different answer, saying it all began for him with the grandfather of British conspiracy culture, David Icke. How did you first learn about this?
8: I think this has been a long long process for me. A great guy that I've known for many years did David Icke seminars 25 years ago. And I was one of these people that would laugh um, insistently at him for, for the, the speeches that David Ike had made at the time. And he went along and, and mentioned this to guys that I worked on a building site with, you know, and we laughed him off. And it took five years to really delve deep and ask myself, why am I not questioning the narrative? Why am I not allowing myself to understand why he's so passionate? about the future that is ahead of us so I took my time out and I looked into the agenda 2030 probably 15 years ago and it's something that you can't pull away from you you start to see the cracks in the system um, it's not a government it's a corporation you know it's by rich rich men making lots of money out of the out of the misery and, and demise of the people of this country and as I say around the world and you know they need to be brought to justice for that because we just want a peaceful life and unfortunately nothing is the same as it ever has been. We, we, we need to start standing for what we've got because we're going to lose it very quickly if we don't and Agenda 2030 is in our lifetime, it's only seven years away and they're pushing so hard, insistently trying to push so hard against us and we have won this war, the war is over and they know that and they can see the resistance in us and the, and the strength in us in numbers. And they will come, become more tyrannical with it. They will push these agendas through strongly. And the smart city is one way of trying to silence us, to shut us down.
3: That's really interesting what you just said. So you think the reason it's all coming so kind of hard and fast now, lockdowns, you yeah. know, Covid, 15 minute cities, is because they understand that people are waking Absolutely.
8: up. Absolutely. I, th- I think. The main push for this the end to the mandates and the restrictions at the very beginning was because we stood up and we said no we're not we're not complying. And had we not and we'd rolled with it, this would have been over. They would have had what they wanted and that was full control over us. Yes, the smart cities are being mentioned, they're being pushed through um, as an act in parliament and they're trying to push it through on the gov.uk website. So everyone can find this. It's not conspiracy theory, they're pushing it very hard and very strongly. And At the beginning it was only because of our insistence to to resist against it that they had to fold under pressure and when the nurses got angry about the mandates and the push they shut up they stopped the mandates of the drugs in in, on the hospital and the care working staff and that just shows that it was the resilience of these people that i'm standing here with today that stopped that from happening so i do believe that it's angering them and upsetting them So they'll become more tyrannical with it. And this is one of those agendas, I guess.
2: It's fascinating that his framing is that we've already won, Mm. you know, because for others, it's it's, you know, a description of being inside of a struggle. But this is kind of more convenient because it's like that's why now we're protesting something of, you know, little import like the 15 minute cities, because we want to, you know, kind of make sure that they know that they're defeated. It's over. You won't even be able to pass this tiny measure because we've already won the war or whatever. It's very strange.
3: It's really interesting, isn't it? It actually reminded me of a um book I read, an academic book about the tea party movement in the US which was called Change They Can't Believe In. And it was really interesting. It talked about like how I guess like uh, grassroots movements keep up momentum and they had this this theory essentially that you have to have the kind of push and pull of grassroots political movements and so you've got to have the overarching goal, right, which can never actually be reached. Uh, It has to be something that's kind of always just out of reach because that's what keeps the movement pushing forward. But at the same time, there have to be little whims because otherwise everyone just gets demoralized and apathetic and they, they drop out. And yeah, it was like, I I think about it a lot when it comes to, I think things like the anti-lockdown movement, the freedom movement and stuff like that, because you'll often hear people say, oh, and of course it's it's now coming out that we were right about COVID all along, or it's now coming out that we were right about vaccines all along. And you sort of think that's the little wins, right? This kind of understanding that that total vindication is just around the corner, but there's little Mm. moments of vindication in their media environment.
1: I'm noticing more and more that people are deciding to just chalk up everything as a win, you know, (laughs) everybody at some point, at some point they went, it doesn't fucking matter what I believe that Mm. actually has no impact on whatever my outcome is in, in the real world. So, I feel better choosing to believe that everything is a win. Yeah, even, I mean, if, even it, if it's an L. And exactly. You know what?
2: If that- everything is an L, then it's just a state of mind away from being a W. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> yes. because, fucking forget it. I can't fucking actually accept that everything is an L.
3: Towards the end of that interview, I realised that over on the other side of the square, where I'd seen someone setting up a small stage and microphone earlier, speeches had started and a crowd was gathering. I bustled over towards the stage, which was already crowded out of view by masses of people. I'm not entirely sure how or why, but for some reason, people at the front actively made space for me to come through and stand with them. This will be especially funny when you hear how they treated other journalists later. So I ended up having a front row seat to the speeches from the organizers of the march. This ended up being a real scoop, because for some reason the sound equipment wasn't working incredibly well, and so basically nobody apart from the very front rows managed to hear anything of what was being said. So, without wanting to run you through every single speech which would be very boring, I'll try to give you the highlights. The woman who was acting as compare for the speeches was someone I recognised from online but had never seen in person before. Fiona Hine, founder of COVID Leaks, an anti-vaccine organisation founded in 2020 which had organised several rallies in London, most notoriously a vigil outside the BBC to honour supposed victims of the COVID-19 vaccine.
16: We are not on the right or the far right, we are on the right side of history! We're on the right side of history! And we are here because we all know it's the right thing to do, to stand up together to save our rights that are under attack here in Oxford and all around the country where these 15-minute or 20-minute cities are being announced. And may I say, I'm looking round at you today. Look at how diverse we all are. We are every people here today. We are from every ethnic background. We are men, women, every sex, every gender, every nationality and from different parts of the country. And we are putting aside all those differences, all those identities they keep pinning on us to divide us. Today, we say, no, you're not going to divide us.
3: Now, to be fair to Fiona, she wasn't totally wrong. It was a fairly ethnically diverse crowd, although definitely less so than the anti-lockdown rallies of 2021. I'd have to say the majority of people stood there were still middle-aged white people. One thing I did notice from my privileged vantage point, though, was that there were a couple of people there from the right-wing populist Heritage Party stood right at the front, occasionally talking with the organisers. One of them was holding a Heritage Party sign. I assumed that they were going to get up and speak at one point, but they never did, and it turned out that they went to have a separate rally once the march got started. I'd later learned from other media reports that there was a presence from the white nationalist group Patriotic Alternative too, who you might remember me encountering at that Drag Queen Story Hour protest in Norwich. Now, the next speaker was someone I know you guys know, because it was Lawrence Fox, the thespian star of My Son, Hunter. Yes, Hunter Biden. Let's go. (laughs) They got Hunter. (laughs) I'm not gonna lie, I didn't get the impression he was doing well from his speech. Compared to everyone else who stood up and talked, some for what felt like a very long time, he probably spoke for about a minute, I got the sense he had written it just on the hoof, and yet still managed to ramble.
17: It isn't about the environment, it's about power and control over you.
12: Yeah.
17: Every single day we have an opportunity to further the cause of freedom and to make the world a better place than before for our children freedom to speak, freedom to move, freedom to transact, freedom to go where you want, freedom to travel, freedom of bodily autonomy and every single day we should be making steps towards freedom. We have seen in these last years how quickly simple freedoms can be taken away and the catastrophic damage caused when society is dominated by the fearful. And any step we take in the other direction, we take a step towards control and tyranny. And a step away from freedom. So every single day that we don't fight for our fundamental human right to be left alone to pursue our business, is a betrayal of our children's future and a betrayal of freedom. And we will fight every single day towards freedom. Freedom!
2: Okay, yeah.
12: Freedom. He,
2: he does. He does sound a little rough. I mean,
1: you know, uh, were people super mm. excited to see him there, or do they, uh, does he show up at a lot of <laughs> these? It's kind of like shit? old hat. Uh, yeah, it's old hat at this point.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think he 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 was quite a go- a big get for the protest. Definitely. Yes, yeah. You know, he's been on TV and stuff, but he has shown up at protests like this before. I think he was a. Uh, I definitely saw him at the first anti-lockdown protest I went to as well.
2: Oh, it's Hunter Biden. Hunter, say your famous (laughs) line. Say your famous line. I like to smoke crack. Say your (laughs) line.
1: Hunter, will you shine my laptop, please?
3: (laughs) (laughs) The next couple of speeches were honestly quite boring and just went over much of the same things about the Great Reset and climate denial, as my interviewees had been saying. So I'll spare you having to listen to that. The next speaker was really interesting though. I feel a little strained broadcasting it, but I do think it's significant it seems that the freedom movement have recruited their own answer to Greta Thunberg. Oh a 12 no. A 12-year-old girl called Jasmine, who was introduced as the movement's child freedom ambassador.
2: Oh no.
1: Oh my god. Come <laughs> on. Come on. <laughs> oh. Yes, the child prince. <laughs>
8: <laughs> yes,
2: yes, parade her up in front
1: of the people, <laughs> give her
2: the words to say. <laughs> oh my god, this reminds me of like, it was like Little AOC or something, and it was like some yeah. conservative like youtube child and they were like training her to do like anti-aoc bullshit talking points it was just Mm. what a nightmare what a fucking nightmare
3: yeah she was actually a pretty decent public speaker much better than some of the adults who would preceded her and worked up the crowd quite well
18: okay so the officials in city council have to do what we the people want we the people are not slaves to these officials and they are not our masters is that correct or am i wrong (laughs) (laughs) The MP, Andrew Bridgen, last month said that the politicians work for us, not the other way around. He said that as he was kicked out of government by the corrupt politicians who have hijacked our government buildings. I have no doubt that more than 50% of these politicians are secretly in favour of the World Economic Forum and their plans to enslave us in their digital nightmare. Starting with their digital ID system, which will give them total control over your bank accounts and whether or not you can access your money. Providing you are a good slave and allow yourself to be experimented on with their Frankenstein injections, I'm sure your money will be okay. Well, for as long as you live anyways. I have no doubt about that. But if you dare try to stand up for your fundamental rights and freedoms, you will be punished. I have no doubt about that either. And the Oxford City officials are building this prison for themselves. How dumb is that?
2: Okay, I'm gonna have to disagree with you, Annie. She, uh, Jasmine's, uh, she speaks like shit. Uh, she, she's just going through the script. She's, you know, she, there's some call and response built in by the adults who wrote this for her, and she's just, she's just not nailing her, her marks there. Harry, yeah, Harry.
1: No. they're meaning, they're meaning to tell us it's only going to be a 15-minute walk to Hogsmeade. No, 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 no. We already get a lot of
2: shit from British people, and Annie gets shit for letting us do the British accents, but we I can't do. start doing Harry. Potter on top of it. <laughs> that that is Dumbledore's going to make no. us all locked down
1: in a, in the Gryffindor common room only a 15 minute walk dog's meet. Oh, Ron no. no, he's gone. Ron. Ron's taking the vaccine, Harry. <laughs> no. No, no. He's turned into he he's t- he's turned into Professor Snape. Okay. All right. I, I my my middle. I, there's only so much freestyle I can do around around Harry Potter. Uh, it's
2: really, because it, it felt like you were building steam. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, no. I was losing losing steam the moment I started <laughs> and kept going. Of course.
3: No, I, I do take your point, Julian. I think yeah, she was better than some of the adults that had just come before, but she was like very confident, I guess, which I yes. definitely wouldn't have been at twelve years old at her age.
2: Yeah, you were just supporting, you know, girl power. Like obviously yeah. it's nice to see it's nice to see a young woman up there, you know, in the limelight. Yeah, you were you were
1: getting fed in a high chair on TV. <laughs>
12: <laughs> the national
2: baby supports our new twelve-year-old prime minister, Jasmine.
3: That's right. I know what I know what it feels like to be a be a child in the spotlight.
12: <laughs>
2: uh, oh, the scars of child acting! Oh, they'll last forever.
3: Uh, yeah, at one point she even did a Greta Thunberg impression for oh, the crowd, no, which no. drove them absolutely wild.
18: As a twelve-year-old, I am really concerned about my future, and to Klaus Schwab, I say this. How dare you!
12: Hey. Hey.
18: How dare you steal my childhood and my future? Hey. And the future of all children by enslaving us in your crazy digital surveillance prison. We all know where this is leading. And by the way, Klaus, just just for your information, I still think you're a complete nutcase. How dare you! Who do you think you are? To me, you are no different from a villain in a James Bond movie, <laughs> attempting to hold the world hostage in your crazy transhumanist dystopia. And for what? To make more money? More profit? Oh. Is there truly any amount of wealth that will satisfy your greed? So, people, listen. Make no mistake. These are the first steps of a dystopian reality called 15 minute neighborhoods. From a small seed, a huge tree can grow. Do you know yesterday the temperature was seven degrees, but today it is 12 degrees. The greedy people are claiming that the zones are to do with climate change. Over the last few decades, the greedy people have managed to convince the people of the world that if the temperature goes up by one single degree, one degree, that all life will become extinct. How dumb have you got to be to believe that?
1: Uh,
18: uh. (laughs) <laughs> this is not true. It's fake science. The same fake science that told us if we wear a cheap, and pathetic face mask, it will stop us breathing in a virus. Climate change is nothing but a story created by fake scientists and the greedy people, and there is no a shred of truth in any of it.
2: Ah, uh, the child is right, Greta. Uh. Okay, uh. kid, so you admit it's a virus. <laughs> <laughs> also you could i mean if you need proof that this was not written by her look only to her references a villain in a james bond movie she's 12 years old she doesn't give a fuck about james fucking yeah. bond
1: <laughs> she's like much like in goldfinger it's like she, <laughs> don't don't in the famous films from the 1940s, <laughs> we know, we know that the villains, <laughs>
2: oh my God, as as they said in <laughs> Ivanhoe, references which I love. <laughs> Oh boy Fucking so Wow that's just so really melted. That's, oh, really, fucked yeah. so that's really fucked up The crowd reactions Are so That's really fucked up It's so yeah, It's is, so well
1: rehearsed I mean I yeah, think Even the crowd is uncomfortable By a kid up there Saying yeah. these things They're like Oh no These are These beliefs yeah. are for adults you know.
2: <laughs> I mean It's also because These people have been Sharing horrifying stuff About Greta For like the last I don't know yeah. how many years Yeah Going into like When she was younger than 18 Oftentimes mm-hmm. Insanely sexual Ew. Oh, yeah. it's like Gross. just so and so they they must know on some level like oh this is not a good thing for us to do exactly the like to to find some shadow Greta
3: I, I think so but I think they're also they're jealous of that do you know I mean yeah they're jealous we, got a, of...
2: we have a child we also yeah. have a child
3: I mean it's I did honestly like you know debate with myself whether I should like put this part of her speech because you know obviously kids Believe all sorts of strange things, particularly if an adult has told them, which I strongly suspect is the case here. Mm. But I want to make clear, I'm not I'm not putting this here to cancel her or anything like that. But I think actually, yeah, I think this is a, a movement which I think is particularly self conscious about the fact that it's mostly older people that they, you know, they see themselves up uh, up against the kind of climate activists who they see as the young crowd. Yeah, I think you know they understand fundamentally that it's it's good PR to have to have a voice of a child on their on their side so I suspect I've got a hunch basically we'll see if not Jasmine again then someone like her because I think they know that it's it looks good for them
1: yeah, you're right. She's a brave young woman. Yeah, this is no no judgment, no judgment on the kid, obviously. Um, I'm
3: passing the mantle of national baby down to Jasmine.
2: Yeah. New national
1: Clearly baby. Clearly handed handed a speech typed up by uh, you know, a parent or No, uncle but she practiced or... the fuck out of it. Oh, I'll yeah, give her that. Oh, yeah. Mm. She
2: definitely had practiced it over no, the, and
1: over and over at home. No, the performance ship is the performance is excellent. Yeah. Um and takes a lot of guts to get up on a stage. I mean, I I <laughs> I my my softa put me into the oh, the no. fashion show that they held at their what? shul. What? Um, what? Uh, I, more than once, and yeah. I, you know, I was terrified to get. I hated it. But you were like a mm. child, Zoolander. Yeah, basically, okay. I was. I, I there are pictures of me in like an all blue um, like sweatsuit. <laughs> Like with, with like a like a shiny blue like plastic visor on. Oh this my god! We sh- are
2: finding out so much about each one each and every one of you. Yeah,
1: I'd like to reiterate this was the fashion show that took place at the shul. Yeah. Now for those who don't know, uh, shul is a word for synagogue, which is a synonym for a Jewish temple. But if you say shul, you're like a, you're a super Jew. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. I'm just saying, there's a big difference between somebody says, "Oh, I got temple on Saturday," or and then the second okay, tier is we can't. Second tier is, "Oh, no. I'm going to the synagogue," but <laughs> we... then the final tier is, "I'll be, I'm going to shul." Okay, okay, huh. okay. Got
2: well, got
3: my
1: got
2: my Jew tears down. Good. <laughs> That's right.
3: <laughs> the climate denial theme continued with the next speaker, Paul Burgess, who said he runs a YouTube channel called Climate Realism. Much of it was standard, actually CO2 is good for plants and good for the planet stuff that I've gotten pretty used to hearing people say at these protests. But there was one conspiracy theory in there that I hadn't heard before, which essentially alleged that climate change was a racket by which the global south extorted rich western countries. I found it both intriguing and alarming because of how it directly addresses and then distorts one of the major points that climate activists have been making for years, that the effects of climate change aren't just a hypothetical future, but are already being felt in the poorest countries.
19: My website, not my website, my YouTube channel is is designed to give you videos that link the science that anyone can understand. And one of the best compliments I had was my 11-year-old son, Understood it and said, Hey, that's not what I'm taught at school. And the real sin is teaching children at school this absolute rubbish because for the last 30 years there's been a mass brainwashing movement of children. Right. Well, let's go on about drowned islands. None of them are drowned, 90% of them have grown, 8% growth overall. Tuvalu or Tuvalu, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, the most prone island in the world, the one they featured. This is going to go first. Has grown 2.9%. But it doesn't stop their leaders sitting in a pool of water on a chair saying, help, help us, give us money. That's what the whole of the IPCC is about. It's controlled by third world countries. They even write the scientific report at the end that goes to all the politicians. Call the summary for policymakers. I do a video on that.
3: A high point of drama occurred when the compere, Fiona, resurfaced, and before introducing the next speaker, got the crowd to engage in some cheerful booing of the various media organisations that were there that day. The BBC, Panorama, and ITV all got a go. Luckily, QAnon Anonymous was not mentioned, (laughs) which I took as implicit approval of our high standards of unbiased reporting. Yes. The next speaker, Mark Devlin, began by explaining to us all about the slow creep of cultural Marxism into society, orchestrated by the Fabian Society, and how this related to Oxfordshire Council's various schemes. As he wrapped up his speech with a tortured Orwell reference, I noticed a BBC cameraman at the front of the crowd, lying on his stomach to get a shot looking up at the stage. It seems Fiona noticed him too, because when she next came out, she pointed directly at him while whipping up the crowd into what I can only describe as some kind of medieval public shaming ritual. Listen to the clip and you'll see what I mean.
20: We need to say that we saw what was coming and we said, you want to do what? Not on our
6: watch. Not on our watch. The answer is no. Thank you. I know I've already
21: done it once, but... BBC.
6: Shame on you! Shame on you!
21: Shame on you! 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 All right, look, I you know I jest. I think you're all right. You're a cameraman. I'm trying to cover myself now. We are peaceful, but shame on you. (laughs) No, seriously, guys. We we know you're laughing. He's laughing. Everyone. He's probably. You know that we're telling the truth, and you know that. We're on the right side of
2: history, BBC, so as long as you report the truth, then we're all right with you. Look at him on the floor. He's wriggling like a worm. I oh, know. nasty little cameraman.
3: It's just like, I don't know, I just felt so bad for the guy. Like, it's bad enough to obviously have all of these people shouting at you, but he was literally lying on his stomach Like you could not be in, like, a more, I don't know, vulnerable <laughs> position for that to happen in. Yeah. Oh, my um, God. <laughs> The next speaker, Dan Aston Gregory, was an interesting one, because he seemed to be the first person to actually address the argument that a 15-minute city might not in fact be an enforced gulag, which every other speaker and person I'd spoken to so far seemed to take for granted.
20: Well, if you look at it, it's an open conspiracy, because you've got organisations like the C40 and the Global Covenant of Mayors... Who've all signed up to the idea that we do these 15-minute cities, and in the UK already, a hundred plus councils have said yes, we're going to do what Oxford are doing and others before them. And with everything that's been spoken here today, there's always an emotional plea to some utopian ideal, and I can understand it. I can understand the appeal of a, uh, you know, a green city with you know, lots of beautiful areas for our children to play in. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't actually want to live in an area where there's lots of great amenities nearby? We all want that kind of thing. So where are the checkbooks at the local councils in terms of investing in beautifying the area, investing in industry, investing in local jobs, you would expect a 15-minute scheme which promises these wonderful ideals of everything you need within 15 minutes of your doorstep to actually be out there actively building and investing in your local community. But how many people know a local or national government that is spending their money wisely at the moment? Uh, the thing we're protesting
2: is actually good, but they're never going to get to it because they don't yeah. even do uh, any of the other stuff.
3: Gregory's speech, I thought, was effective in ways that many of the others weren't, because he wasn't preaching to the converted. He was quite cleverly constructing an argument to persuade people who weren't already convinced of the dangers of 15-minute cities by drawing on legitimate critiques of the government that most reasonable people would agree with, like lack of investment in local services and unfair standards of enforcement over COVID. In a way, I was quite glad the speakers were so bad and he was only being heard by a handful of diehard supporters, that poor BBC cameraman and myself. Because he seemed to be a pretty savvy persuasive operator.
20: Things on the left I'm appalled by and there's things on the right I'm appalled by. But the rea- the reality no wonder why you're politically homeless in the state of affairs we find ourselves in here today. But the governments are needlessly spending our money on war and, you know, cronyism and all the things that has been billions have been spent through the last three years on COVID, leaving us in quite a precarious situation. So no, we're not facing a beautiful 15 minute city where everything is wonderfully available on your local doorsteps, wonderful education for your children, beautiful parks, wonderful amenities, lovely restaurants. If that was really what was on offer, you would see people's legs matching their mouths and taking action to actually build vibrant communities. And I'm sure we'd all agree with that ideal. That's the promise. But like every con man, it's a miss sale. It, we're being missold Because what's, not, what's on offer, rather than this beautiful, lovely, vibrant environment on your doorstep, is surveillance, car CCTV, watching your every move, blockade stopping you moving around the city, and, 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 and completely removing your ability to travel freely. And the reality is this within every utopian ideal, there has to be realism and practical reality. There has to be pragmatism.
3: As the speech has wrapped up, I extricated myself and began milling around the wider protest again. While I had been in the inner circle watching the speeches, I kept hearing shouting and loud music playing from the outside. There were some dark mutterings that this was the local anti-fascist trying to disrupt the flow of truth and freedom coming from the state, but I later learned it was just the protesters themselves who couldn't hear the speakers and thus were keeping themselves entertained. <laughs> there was an anti-fascist counter-protest going on somewhere in the city, but I never caught sight of it until the very end, which I'll get to later. I got chatting to a middle-aged guy who told me he was from South London. He wasn't carrying a sign. Now, there is a slight bias in my reporting on protests that I've talked about before on this podcast, but I'll reiterate it here. I often speak to people holding signs at these things because it's a conversation starter, but also because those are the people that tend to be the most confident and the most likely to want to talk to the media. But that can sometimes give you a skewed view of who's attending these events, because if you bothered to make a sign and are happy to talk to a journalist, the chances are you're going to feel pretty strongly, rather than the more moderate voices that mill around. I think this next interview reflects that. Much of what he discussed was just the language of relatively normal local politics, but it was just lightly peppered with little hints of conspiracy theories about dark agendas. So obviously, you know, if you were to uh, ask, say, one of these uh, counter-protesters here today what a 15-minute city is, they would say, well, it's just a neighbourhood where you can just get everything you need within 15 minutes. Yeah. You know, what's, what's the problem with that?
22: Well, I think there is a problem with that, because we're not, we're not used to that you know, and uh, we don't, nobody voted for that, we haven't voted for it, and it's a democratic, meant to be a democratic country, and we have not been given a choice, you know, and that's what democracy is, it's having a choice, and that has been taken, well, they're trying to take that away, and that is unacceptable.
3: And just before we uh, got talking, or when I turned the microphone off, you were telling me, you were saying you're from South London, you've been dealing with something called ULES. Yeah. Now, I've got... You know listeners from America and stuff like that they won't know what that means so what's
22: you U-les? Well, ULES is the um, the mayor of London if he calls himself that the ultra low emission zone where um, they chart he wants to charge people 12 pound 50 to um, at the moment it's going into within the North Circular and the South Circular of of London but the expanding it out to almost where the M25 is which is a a motorway around the London greater London um, where if you have a a vehicle um, over a certain age or I think it's 2004 for a petrol um, they want to charge you uh, £12.50 and it's, it's a diesel car it's after two, before 2016, £12.50, to drive around in your own city, which again is unacceptable. He's using the excuse of climate and emissions, but these vehicles go for an M.O.T. every year where they check the emissions. So it's really a made-up thing to control people and get revenue. That's what it is.
3: Do you see these things as all connected, basically? It's all about local government overreaching, trying to restrict freedom of movement in their
22: cities? 100%, yeah. They want to restrict you from moving around the city, yeah. I mean, they'll say moving around in a car, and then that will move on to something else. They'll say, oh, no, no, you can't even move out of this area at all. Like, it's a 15-minute city. So it's like you'll be in an open prison with all these cameras everywhere, one thing will always lead to another. So we have to stop it now before we go any further with this. Because it's completely undemocratic. No one has, there is no mandate for this. Nobody has voted for it. Nobody's been asked about it. Consul- when we did have a consultation in London, they did have a consultation with uh, they actually vote, they, the consultation went against what this mayor said by, us. I think 70% didn't want it in this consultation. And they hid the results. It's complete and utter malfeasance in public office. The guy shouldn't be there. He should be arrested. <laughs> he should be arrested.
3: The protest had ended now, and the march was beginning. We began to move through the crowded streets of Oxford on a Saturday, watched by bemused shoppers, students and tourists, with police horses cantering at the front and end of the procession. Ironically, given what the whole protest was about, they were very clearly blocking off cars to allow us to move smoothly through the city streets. The next lady I spoke to was honestly fascinating. She looked to be in her 60s or older and wore a green jacket and green bucket hat, which had various memo cards stuck to each side with little slogans written on them. I couldn't read all of them, but one of them said, cash is king, use it or lose it. She also had a sign that read,
2: Net zero is a lie. Without carbon dioxide, we die. 15-minute cities will be open-air prisons.
3: Unfortunately, our interview got off to a slightly halting start as she kept getting nervous and losing her train of thought. I tried to gently encourage her, so I hope this doesn't just sound like bullying to you guys.
21: Well, um, the thing is that they... Oh, God, no. I can't, I can't, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't. No, I'm really sorry. No, it's okay.
3: What if I asked you about uh, your Cash's King
21: badge? Would that be easier? just... um, uh, yes okay well I think a lot of um, young people have been brought up uh, doing everything on their phones and they have no idea that cash is the only thing that is totally um, oh god what's the word uh, totally oh god sorry uh, right, don't, don't. no rush no rush at all I, Sorry, I, I I know what the word is, but I can't get it out. Totally anonymous.
12: <laughs>
21: and, um, and you know, they're talking about bringing in, well, definitely more than talking, they're going to bring in this central bank digital currency, which is called the Britcoin. And, um, you know, they're telling us that it's going to be, you know, just going to make life easier. But in fact, it's going to be, uh, it's just that, the nail in the coffin as far as total and utter control is concerned that along with the digital um id you know the security thing um you know people just don't know that they're being sucked in and and so many people know that there's something wrong but they choose to keep their head in the sand so um you know and then we've got 5g and everything else and i i know people my friends who are not Doing that well, because we've all listened to too many podcasts, and we've been, <laughs> you know, far too close to all this technology, and people are beginning to get headaches and, and not feeling well. So it's like it's actually making people physically sick. Oh, very much so. There are lots of people who are very ill. They 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 can't they can't actually leave their houses. Um, and well, there's a there's an excellent book I've just read twice. Uh, called the Invisible Rainbow by Arthur Furstenberg, who himself is um, is uh, can't cope with electricity, and he spent 30 years researching this this incredible book. So I recommend everybody to read it because then you'll understand that possibly COVID might well be um, linked to the ro- this massive rollout of 5G, because um, we've had influenza. Constantly, since about um, well, since the First World War, it's never really gone away, and we've had massive And every time there's been a, an advance in technology, there is a flu epidemic, and and you know people just haven't really put this two and two together yet. So you know there there's much more to it than meets the eye.
2: Oh, I only hope that we're giving people podcasting disease. I it's know, a-
21: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: You heard it here first.
2: And Britcoin? It sounds like Bitcoin, but it's uh, the new uh, currency they're trying to force on us. I mean, that, yeah. that one is clearly not a thing, right? Like, that's not Britcoin? Oh, no, I
3: mean, that that is actually real. Yeah, I'm going to talk wait, wait, about wait, wait. it a little bit later ah. on, but...
2: I mean the central
3: ah, no. well it's it's Rishi Sunak he's very into into cryptocurrency and things like that oh. but basically he when he was yeah chancellor of the exchequer had an idea that we would have our own central banking digital currency called Bitcoin. It's like one of those things where like people keep on agreeing how innovative and uh, exciting it would be. But like, as far as I can tell, nobody has actually come up with a reason it would be useful. So it's, (laughs) yeah, it's just, it's that kind of like VC brain meets politics. Just like, what if we could do our own like cryptocurrency thing? But yeah, of course, that's obviously got folded into the Great Reset. But yeah, what that woman said did genuinely interest me because I've been trying to figure out what exactly I think the great reset conspiracy theory is about. It can often seem like a grab bag of assorted ideas, transhumanism, lockdown, microchips, population control. When viewed from afar, it looks really random and chaotic, just like a general list of things. But I think when you talk to people, you do start to get a sense of a running theme in what they're saying, and one very clear motif is the anxiety around technology, either as a tool of control, surveillance, or in this lady's case, something that was literally poisoning us. I decided to gently push her to see how far she'd take this idea. That's so interesting. So... I mean, what is the solution to this? Obviously, there's consciousness building, like stuff today, but ultimately, should we be moving, moving to off the grids, to tech-free
21: societies? Like? Well, I mean, in an ideal world, yes. I mean, I, I loathe technology. I actually ran away to Argentina about 20 years ago now because I didn't want to send any more emails, <laughs> <laughs> and and I lived with with. No electricity or running water for, uh, in the middle of nowhere. Well, I had a tiny solar panel, but for, for most of 11 and a half years. And, and I, you know, it was unsustainable really, as far as my, my <laughs> well, because it was a very corrupt country. And, you know, but, um, you know, I didn't really miss anything that I had here. And, uh, you know, coming back seven years ago was the most appalling shock to the system and made me very ill. Um, and uh, yeah so I live a very simple life and you know and but but the thing is I have before Argentina and after Argentina before Argentina about 20 years ago we functioned perfectly well without being glued to our bloody smartphones which didn't exist and we actually spoke to each other on the telephone we actually dropped in on people and we, we you know businesses worked and we weren't ter- terribly stressed, which we are now. So um, anyway, I, I, I know it's very difficult to turn back the clock, but I think um, people would be much happier in a world where they, where they weren't connected 24-7 to around the world and things. But I don't, I don't know quite how we do that with people who have known nothing else. That's the problem.
3: She told me a little more about how she'd suffered from debilitating stress in the past, which was part of the reason she'd struggled with my questions at first. She said she'd been cured by taking good quality supplements and eating organic. She also told me how nice it was to see a young person so interested in this stuff. This was actually something that would come up in later interviews too, a slight sense of aggrievement on behalf of the protesters that so few young people were joining their cause. After that, for some reason, I got a string of rejections all in a row. Every person I approached and asked if they'd like to talk about their sign shook their head at me. Sometimes weird stuff happens like that. You get one rejection and the next person sees it and follows suit. But I will say that this is the protest where the most people I approached declined to talk to me. All of this is to say that it was a huge relief when the next person agreed to speak to me. He was a tall, smiley guy with dark, curly hair who looked to be in his 30s or 40s. He was stood on the corner of a street we marched through, holding a sign towards the protesters that said, ULEZ, 15-minute cities, attacks on our freedom. This time I decided to get a little bolder and address the climate change question head on. And so you've connected, uh, you know, the 15-minute cities with stuff like the ULEZ in London, the low-traffic neighbourhoods. Do you see all of this as part of, like... I mean, are local councils con- coming up with this stuff independently, essentially? Or is it part of, like, a grand plan? I don't know.
7: Um, I think it is part of a plan, yeah. I think it's important that people realise that. I mean, I know that that um, will turn people off and make them talk about conspiracy theories and, and think that you're a, a lunatic. But the, the fact is that there is, these are in line with UN Sustainability Goals, which are couched in very nice language about saving the environment. And we all want to be custodians of the planet. We all want clean... Uh, air and clean um, living conditions but the, uh, we, we, just, we think that they are being brought about to restrict people rather than to improve the environment and the hypocrisy of it is obvious because the people who are saying these things, um, the people who are saying these things come around in uh, private jets, they enforce militaries which are the biggest polluters in the world so that's our concern yeah.
3: And obviously, there'll be people who say, "Look, you know, it's not nice. It's not nice having to restrict my movement and my car travel and stuff." But look, the climate climate change is like, you know, is going to make the world unlivable in 20 years. We've got to make sacrifices. What do you think about that?
7: I actually um, think that we've been hearing the doomsday prophecies from people like Al Gore for many, many years now, and none of them have come to fruition. And and the 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 co-opting of science and censorship of science and of the media on this uh, is suggests to me that these these narratives are not true. Um, if we think about carbon dioxide, it's actually good for the planet. It's good. It's a, it's plant food essentially, um, and its percentage within the atmosphere is 0.04 percent of which man's contribution is 0.4 percent. Um, it doesn't make any sense. The idea that carbon di- dioxide is making, is a driver of, of the climate is false. It's actually, um, it com- subsequent to climate change, the, the, the fluctuations in carbon dioxide temperature, uh, carbon dioxide uh, in the atmosphere. So. The fundamental problem is that the narrative is not true and it's all being used to drive restrictions on human freedom.
3: It seems my losing streak was coming to an end, as the next person I asked to be interviewed agreed as well. He was middle-aged and had a sign that read, there is no climate emergency. He told me he thought climate change was a fiction, made up to serve something he called the anti-car agenda.
23: The anti-what agenda? Anti-car agenda. Uh, But the science, there is no science backing up man-made human man-made climate change.
3: That's so interesting. So why, why is it, you know, constantly being blared on the TV, on the radio, everything about climate change? You know, what's the end goal if, if it's not real? Are people just deluded?
23: Well, the end goal is total enslavement of humanity and climate change is the lie to bring that about.
3: And so how do you see the 15-minute cities for the, for the Oxford proposal, which is why the protest is here today, how do you see that fitting into that?
23: Well, firstly, the 15-minute the city will severely restrict car use, private car ownership. Um, and also, it will effectively lock populations down into a small living area now um, into what's called human settlement zones and that's part of UN agenda 2030 uh, to get most of the world population to live in high density cities and uh, so really that's what the 15-minute city is really all about. It's got nothing to do with the environment or the climate or anything like that. So it's about controlling the population and stripping stripping away their wealth and freedom.
3: And what can we do about that?
23: Well, the most important thing is mass non-compliance, peaceful mass non-compliance in my view. Um, and it's also important to lobby councils and councillors uh to make sure they don't enforce these crazy rules. Yeah. Yes. but I think the most important thing is no, that people say no and they don't go along with it. and if necessary, ignore the rules and carry on with your life as best you can. Uh, because in the end, I think mass peaceful, mass non-compliance is the answer to world tyranny
3: that's great and just one more question and i'll let you go this has been wonderful someone wanted to learn more about this where should they go where did you first learn about this
23: well um well my fa- my favorite website is Davidike.com Um <laughs> because it's a great uh, resource of information of um independent journalism around the world but there's lots of places, um, I like Max Egan as well, uh, the Dollar Vigilante, UK Column is very good, Daily Expose, Vernon Coleman, so, lots of selection. Daily Expose.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I actually hadn't heard of that one. But yeah, one thing I did notice at this protest was the most frequent answers to my question about media journeys were nearly always David Icke and UK Column, although a fair few other people had suggested various Telegram channels. UK Column is a right-wing conspiracy news site launched by ex-Tory councillor Brian Jerish in 2006, which never gained much traction before the pandemic, where it saw a surge in interest due to its daily Covid denialist news reports. Now, the next interview I did was less of an interview and more of a one-sided rant. I saw two Asian guys who looked to be in their 30s and went to approach them. Before I'd even finished asking the question, one of them grabbed the mic from me and went on roughly a 10-minute monologue in which he seemed to touch on almost every internet-based culture war topic in conspiracy theory going. Here he is segueing seamlessly from 15-minute cities to hotels hosting refugees, which have become a target for various far-right protests in recent weeks. All right, so the sign says, government are lying to you, jail the government for treason, say no to human enslavement.
24: I will do. I will do. I will
3: do.
24: Yeah. What? Yeah. What does that mean? Okay. So, if you look at what's gone on over the past since 2020, everything's been turned up by a volume of 10. Not just in, um, not just in the UK, but across uh, globally, you'll see Germany, Canada, New Zealand. The, the government's control. What it should be is we know everything about the government, but they know very little about us. But they know everything about us. We know very little about where our money's going and it's become an us versus them situation. What we're seeing is non-government organizations are doing the dirty work for the government. I'd ask everyone this question, what's your darkest thought? And the government have probably done that. What that sign is about is telling everyone the government, which meant to be working for us, is actually working against us. You know, 10 billion pounds worth of PPE that couldn't be used. Uh, That Baroness, who was a champion for women in work, Look what she did, and she's escaped to a foreign country. If me or you were to do half of what they've done, we'd be in jail. I had an issue surrounding uh, tax, where there was a slight discrepancy. It got resolved, but you would have thought I killed someone. The way I got treated, it was bad, and we're seeing this across every single, every single facet. Watch it, look, watch it, watch it, watch, it, watch, it, watch it. Every single facet of the government—they are getting far too, far too um, intrusive into people's. Personal lives, and if you look at it, if the punishment for something is a fine, it means it's legal for a price. So all these charges of what's happening now in Oxford, we get rolled out everywhere soon. People are like, oh, it's happening there, it's not happening here. I don't go to Oxford. Wait and watch. Then you're gonna wish you spoke up when they had it. And as, as this is going on, every facet of the government, even even with what's going on for refugees, we want them to be treated well. Nobody wants harm to them. If you, if you go and attack if you go and attack them, you're an idiot. That being said, our children have to be safe. We cannot have children getting, you know, sort of interfered with, anything like that. So what's going on in Liverpool and Ireland, I don't support the refugee centres getting hurt, but I support people standing up. And what I will say is, if those refugee centres were in the best parts of London, in Windsor, you would see a change faster than any other point. And you know what? There's a lot of of talk about it being a right-wing movement. There's no right or left. There's just people who are getting trodden by the government. Wow,
2: yeah, he's really worked up
3: yeah. After that, he moved on from Andrew Tate to Tommy Robinson, to the Brazilian election, to the US election in 2020, to trans people, to Drag Queen Story Hour. It was like clicking on every link in a right-wing conspiracy telegram channel in real time.
24: But what I would say is, why don't you know about Davos? Why don't you know about the decisions they're making for you? Why are we all getting told you have to you have to hate a man called Andrew Tate? but don't watch his (laughs) long-form interviews. As soon as you watch his long-form interviews, all that narrative is destroyed. Same with Tommy Robinson. A lot of people are now listening to him long-form. He's matured in what he's saying. And you know what? Surprise, surprise, he saved a Muslim man's life. So if you look at his latest documentary, he helped a Muslim man who was falsely accused of being in a grooming gang. And our government tried to silence him. He hasn't got a bank account. Has Matt Hancock got a bank account? Yes, he has. Is Matt Hancock on social media despite lying? Yeah. And when they said, oh, COVID spreads this, COVID spreads that, all of that, that was all a lie as well. So, you know, I thought I was going crazy. I'm glad to see, look at how many people here, clearly it's not me. So anyone now who sat there looking at the government, it's not just about your taxes, it's about your roads, it's about your welfare and they're not doing it. And in any country where they are, if you look at Brazil, it was the last country, there was a change of presidency and it's done in a really strange way, very similar to Joe Biden beating Trump. Joe Biden can't get more than 5,000 people in, in a venue. Donald Trump was packing them out on his own money. It's very strange that they're saying, oh, no, but um, um, they're saying now that Joe Biden won. But Joe Biden can't even string a sentence together. So, you know, and like I say, it's like all of these things the government are doing, it's not it's not for your well-being, and like, especially for women, where, you know, men entering women's spaces... You know, unfortunately for, um, what's that woman in Scotland, SNP leader, uh, um, um, Sturgeon, yeah. She was stuck between a cock and a hard place, literally. Because that man raped a lot of women, yeah, which is uh. messed up. Then he goes, right, I'm going to go into all women's prison. You know what, and you don't, like I say, I'm not saying some people can't be trans, you can, but, but what you can't do is you can't force it on other people. You can't, and you shouldn't be in women's spaces. You know, and it's like, like I say, like, um, if you don't mind me asking, love, um, have you got any kids yet yourself? when you do your thinking will change drastically because you will then start viewing everything with a different lens and it's like without without going down the conspiracy theory lens they're trying to lower the age of consent there seems to be an agenda about about teaching my kids about uh, being um, having drag queens read stories to my kids that's not right you shouldn't be doing that that's no offense it's that's no drug shows are for adults, not for children. And there's and there's nothing that my child needs to learn. My child's mine. I don't need I don't need <coughs> the state telling me what to do.
2: Wow, this guy is something else.
24: Mm. Yeah.
5: He spends all of his time in front of a computer finding new things to get mad at.
3: Yeah. Yeah, no, that was exactly it. It was like just like clicking on a link and then clicking on another link and clicking on another link. It was like a human hyperlinked kind of monologue. (laughs)
2: Yes.
3: (laughs) The next lady I spoke to was middle-aged, had dyed red hair and what I think was an Eastern European accent. She started by telling me about the four horsemen of the apocalypse and then moved on to a theory she'd seen on Instagram that if I'm understanding it correctly, babies that have been jabbed for COVID were now growing at an abnormally fast rate. All right, so you were just telling me about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Do you yes. Want to, all right,
25: do you want to... Yes, yeah, so, so we would say pestilence has been, then the plague, COVID, we're all scared and all the rest of it. Now it's death, we're all getting the lovely vaccine and suddenly dying from nothing. And uh, it's pretty much uh, starvation coming because... Uh, Chicken flu or whatever you know, bird flu. They chi- killing chickens in America. They burning uh, sort of lots of factories. They slaughtering cows everywhere. They adding this bugs in our food, which actually they are coating, the hit in. It's very bad for your uh, insides, and it causes your immune system to shut down. So you can <laughs> have a lovely protein, but that would kill you. And uh, Vos is allowing you know, the, uh, the our lovely European health organization is now allowed to add bugs to any food really? in Europe, yeah, any food, and that includes locusts, cockroaches, <laughs> worms. And crickets. <laughs> so enjoy. <laughs> and then Antichrist, you know? uh, but why are they doing it? What's the What's the end game? Uh, well, I mean, the less of us around, the better for them, you know, because they are uh, it's one world government. Mm. It's of course a lot easier to govern less people. Definitely a lot less uh, older people i would say we just don't know how far this vaccine goes uh, if you've seen at all even a normal instagram when they show covid babies who are two days old can hold their head who at two months can sit who's to say that those children won't grow up very fast and then drop dead at the age of 50 once they've uh, exceeded you know their usefulness and without paying them any pension they grow up like they do with wheat now which grows in two months have no vitamins no nothing inside of it you eat it it gives you nothing (laughs) at all and uh, you know so who's to know we don't this is the scary part this is what scares the most that people are so not aware they, they agree to something that is unknown. Wow.
2: Mm-hmm. You can kind of sense that she just doesn't have much of an outlet, perhaps, with the people around her, so that when she meets someone like Annie, she just has to fucking unload, like, mm-hmm. she just, you know, backing <laughs> the truck up and just letting, letting everything out because it's like, yeah, no, my family would not be listening at this point.
3: Yeah, she muttered something. I didn't hear it while I was talking to her, but I heard it when I was like playing the interview back, which I'm really annoyed about. She kind of muttered something about the Antichrist just yeah. at the very end of the Four Horsemen bit. And I kind of wish I'd, I, I, I just didn't hear it in, the, in all the noise, but I wish I'd picked up on it.
1: Well, perhaps she's seen Kevin Sorbo's uh, latest <laughs> film <laughs> offering Left Behind too, Rise of the Antichrist. Mm, yeah.
3: Well, it's funny you should say that, Jake, because I did me. actually Come ask on. her where she'd first heard about all of this. And first she said something about how her husband had been pro-Trump, so that had kind of first got her into this kind of conspiracy world. But then as she was, she was kind of mulling it over in her head, she said that she'd actually kind of got pilled earlier when she'd seen a film called Regression, which I had never heard of before. But it's starring Ethan Hawke and Emma Watson, and it's about a girl who made false claims of satanic ritual abuse. The woman's re- recollection was, like, kind of garbled, but it seems that she saw the film, claimed it was inspired by true events, decided that the real girl that the film was based on was actually telling the truth, and the film was created to further persecute her.
2: Oh, my God.
3: Even though I, I did actually like look up the film, and it's not based on a true story. It's just, it's just kind of doing a kind of, you know, this is the kind of thing that was happening in the, in the yeah. Satanic Panic. But yeah, I'd never heard of the movie before, but it was interesting how an artwork designed to critique the Satanic Panic could actually have the exact opposite effect
1: for yep. for at
3: least one person who watched it.
1: Emma Watson, Ethan Hawke, David Thulis Yeah. I mean, this looks right? like a good cast. I will check this. Aaron Ashmore. <laughs> I will check this out. <laughs> I will check this out. <laughs> I, will check this out. <laughs> I will check this out. And get pill didn't do very well. Fifteen million budget, seventeen point <laughs> seven million <laughs> at the box okay,
2: office. Uh, all right, okay. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so how does it feel then being because this must be like a really big protest compared to what you're used to how does it feel here, yeah. Uh,
25: like I mean I, I love it and I don't have any problem with police I just take them as my protectors and actually validate us as well because they are here it makes us more important because they, they, they're all around us that means we uh, are <laughs> Uh, you know, worth caring for or worry about or something. One of those. And, uh, but my friend is very disappointed because she thought there's going to be a lot more younger people, oh, really? students and stuff. Sorry. Sorry, you know, and there's hardly any. And uh, she says we've kind of lived half of our life, and the uh, and the fact that it's you know younger people who should worry more about what's going on, and they're not and they're laughing at the, at the side of the road, pointing fingers at us. It's not giving us much hope, really.
3: That's really interesting. Why, why do you think that is? Why aren't young people as drawn to the movement
25: as others? Exactly the same reason. They've been taught from a very young age that uh, wisdom is nothing, experience is nothing, your parents don't understand you, They are too old, they don't know. They have no idea how you feel or what you think. They are the last people you should consult. And uh, this is what we have. Because those young people feel very unrelated to us. 10 to 20 years difference and they think you're nearly dead and it's absolutely nothing in your head that could possibly benefit them in any way.
2: Damn, this is kind of sad. I mean, Mm. young people are saying stuff. You just don't like that stuff. Like, (laughs) why aren't they agreeing with me? They're being loud about other stuff that I hate. It's like, well, Yeah, but you can can also definitely like the palpable, you know, younger family members and friends just uh, laughing at you and being like, no, I don't want to hear anything because... Everything you're saying is uh, out there, completely out there. And it's like, what ancient wisdom? Like, this shit's fucking... Like, you've spent too much time on Telegram. (laughs) Like, this is not (laughs) wisdom of the ages.
3: (laughs) No, I think that's exactly right. I don't know. Yeah, there just seems to be something so much going on there about, like, this kind of, yeah, anxiety around new technologies and modernity, youth, you know, just... Yeah, this kind of fear of being kind of outpaced, of being, yeah, out-evolved somehow, I think, like, seems really central to a lot of the way people talk about the Great Reset. My next interview was with an older guy wearing glasses, carrying a sign that read, You create government. It is not your master. You are sovereign. We talked a little bit about his sign and what it meant, and then we got onto the topic of what he saw 15-minute cities looking like. He was clearly a well-read guy and had a very poetic way of speaking, which I thought illustrated some of the anxieties of the movement quite well. Where do you see this going, the 15-minute cities? What's the next step,
12: do you think?
26: Well, you see, 15-minute cities, they they start with the digital IDs and, and the face recognition, that sort of thing. And uh, then the the, the restrictions become more and more. It could end up really serious if we don't stop it now. And Oxford is a sort of pioneer city in this, and Canterbury, I think, is coming along next. Uh, I'm from Bristol, Uh, it's one of the hundred or so uh, councils that signed up to it. They're all going to follow suit. Unless we stop this, they're all going to follow suit. This is all associated with uh, things like the uh, central bank digital currency, uh, digital IDs, uh, chipping, all all this sort of thing. It's dehumanizing us. We're we're human living beings, and this is dehumanising us. It's treating us as, as as some sort of robots or zombies.
3: Why do they? What's the What's the end goal for them? Like, why do they want to keep us like controlled and uh, surveilled and all the rest of it?
26: Greed, greed for power, greed for wealth. Um, and basically attachment to ego, their own ego. This is something we're all subject to, I'm subject to the same, but I hope I won't get into a situation trying to clamp down on people, but we're all subject to our egos and they've got rather too greedy over the last three years and everything is coming to light. If they'd continued nicking from us and stealing us, mistreating us in the same way, we'd probably have gone along with it. But because they've become a little bit too greedy, people are waking up and think, we're not having us. Yeah, he agrees. <laughs>
3: That's great. Is there anything else you wanted to say?
26: May all beings be at ease.
3: May all beings
26: be at ease. Yes. That's lovely. Where's it from? Buddhism. The Loving kindness. And I have the loving kindness for, for the elite who are trying to voice this on us because it's not going to do them any good in the long run. Because it's all based on attachment to their, their, own, their own self and their own interests. It's going to harm them eventually as well.
3: I like that. That's very Zen. It was such an interesting conversation. He was like, I guess the only person I'd spoken to who I guess like was sort of trying in some sense to relate to the elites he was talking about when he was like, Well, it won't do them any good because they're just too attached to yeah, their yeah. own ego and stuff like that. I don't know. It just seemed quite sweet to me.
2: Yeah, it yeah. is. I mean, yeah, he's not he's not wrong, but <laughs> he's wrong.
3: <laughs> yeah. As we crossed Magdalen Bridge, I noticed a woman using a loudspeaker to amiably jeer at the policemen on horses accompanying us. The freedom movement has a pretty interesting relationship with the police, I've noticed. I think, as a movement mostly made up of middle-class, right-leaning people, they instinctively feel like the police should be on their side. This can mean that they act strangely offended when they get policed like any other protest would.
15: Um, yeah, so, and of course I yes, know your retirement age has gone up, you. hasn't it, because they have spent all your pension money. That's why they're trying to coerce you to have those jabs so most of you die and don't reach pension age. Make sure you let everyone know. Because we'd like the police to be around to protect us and to arrest the real criminals like Rishi Sunak, Boris Johnson, Matt Hancock, the list goes on and on. Hopefully they'll now tell all their colleagues about this insanity because it's going to affect them too unless they have an exemption. Who's going to have an exemption to this nonsense? Nurses, ambulance staff, people who really need to get to work? Or will no one? Will just the police have an exemption? Or are the police going to be fined 150 quid a week to get to work if they work five days a week? Oh, some of the police's eyes are going like that. Were they not aware of this?
2: Yeah. <laughs>
3: We headed round the Plain Roundabout and up Cowley Road. We were, by now, heading out of the city centre and towards a residential area. We stopped outside a cafe. I couldn't figure out what had stopped us at first, but it turned out everyone was looking at a massive billboard attached to the building, which read...
1: Destruction of the Cowley Road by Oxfordshire City Council. Welcome to the Cowley Road, Oxford's most diverse and unique road, home to the largest group of independent businesses in the country. It is here that Oxfordshire County Council decided to roll out their ill-thought-out traffic experiment, undemocratically installing LTN's road closures and removing car parking in May 2022. Next to come the final nail in the coffin, bus gates and the complete segregation of Oxford. The County Council is pretending to listen, but this is shamefully a complete and utter lie. 1984? Censored. After 26 years of displaying signs here, Oxford City Council have demanded we remove this one. We wonder why. So much for democracy. <laughs> wow, it's a lot.
3: I know. <laughs> <laughs> Aside from the hyperbolic language about democracy, which is common enough in local politics disputes, there was essentially nothing to suggest that this fracas had anything to do with conspiracy politics. And yet, the first words of the mouths out of almost everyone I'd spoken to had been a dark prophecy featuring mass imprisonment, enslavement, and even death. It was difficult to get a handle on. Continuing the tradition of haranguing the police via loudspeaker, a man with a white beard had taken the mic. We need to
6: get the message out of people. These police are not here for us anymore. They have proven over the last three years that they're not here for us. They're only there to protect the criminals of the government. And as you know you will not see this on the TV, you will not see this on the BBC, but we need the truth to get out and us lovely kind souls will get the truth out and we will not let this tyranny get the better of us.
3: Going, oh, my. Speaker, <laughs> <laughs> After everyone had a good old stare at the sign, we got moving again. I got talking to a middle aged guy wearing glasses and a polo shirt about something called Brickcoin. Now, as I was talking to you guys about before, Britcoin is a genuine thing, or at least like so many of the concepts that conspiracy theorists seize and then elaborate on and evolve a central bank digital currency of the same name has been proposed. But yeah, as I was saying right now, it seems like one of those things that people kind of, kind of all agree is innovative and technological and exciting, uh, but nobody can actually come up with a reason for why it would be useful. Unsurprisingly, though, my interviewee painted a very dark picture of where it was all heading.
27: Yeah, Bitcoin <laughs> was a uh, conception by Rishi Sunak, um, conspired by his, uh, his father, who's the Bill Gates of India. So he's implemented this And if you click on that QR code, it takes you to the government website, telling you about how they're implementing this. It will first hit public sector workers, because obviously they're on strike now. So in two years time, they'll be given a rise by Bitcoin. It will then go into the private sector and everyone will be dictated to by this about part of their salary, being involved in uh, having a digital currency that will be programmable. So um, it'll be controlled by the Bank of England, ultimately controlled by the government. So it's not like it's not like crypto at the moment where you control it. It'll be crypto controlled by a central bank digital currency. So that's what that is. Um, and all you've got to do is if you take a picture of that QR code, it'll take you straight to the government website and you can read all of this. It tells you about all the restrictions. They're claiming it's not programmable, but they can just flick a switch overnight, which means that it will do. So you won't, if you want to go and buy four bottles of wine instead of three, you're over your quota, they'll stop you from buying it. You want to go outside your zone, um, they will stop you from buying stuff outside your um, your cell unit on a 15 minute city. So ultimately, what they'll intend to do is control your spending. Okay, you can say it'll control the health, but why should you? Um, they'll restrict you in terms of flight, travel, um, and going into any kind of retail unit outside your unit, so you can um, spend your hard-earned money, which will be digital. So it's all about ultimately about control. So this is what this is all coming into.
3: Oh, yeah. So, it so says... you've
27: got your 15-minute city, which is about smart cities. They'll they'll monitor your uh, your surveillance, uh, facial recognition. They've already got it in supermarkets now anyway. Um, but that's just to protect them and not to protect you. Um, I would just say just. Push against it. You know, cash is king. Use cash wherever you can. If uh, it demands that um, they want you to use a, a card, just say, I'm sorry, we're not paying that way. We went into um, a restaurant in London at one of the protests and we had £100 worth of money spent and they said, Oh, well, you've got to pay by card. We said, We haven't got it, we've got cash. The manager had to take cash and spend, spend it on his, his account to pay for our meal. So cash is king. Don't allow it, don't allow digital ID either. That's another me- uh, message that you could talk about. Yeah.
3: So you see it's all connected, the digital ID, yeah, the 15-minute cities, the coin. Bri-
27: yeah, Bitcoin uh, digital cities, uh, sorry, digital 15-minute cities, digital ID, um, climate control. That's all about climate and about figi- uh, digital, you know, it's all about the climate. It's all connected. If you don't, if you don't sort of realise now, and just think it's the best for the future, because it's all about health, education, work, play. It's not. It's about them controlling you. Um, You know, you look at what's happening in the news. We've had immigration, illegal immigration, happening in this country for the last 15, 20 years. It's only come to light now where uh, the media are putting it, uh, pushing it on the TV to make people divisive, um, you know, spread division so they can implement this digital ID. And it's not about putting it on your phone and everybody having smartphones. It's about having photo ID, having a QR code on this photo ID, which would link you to a central processing system where anything can happen. You know, they can stop your credit, they can stop your banking. I mean, they already did it in, a, in Canada when the truckers went through, they stopped all their salaries. So it's not just a case of you not having any money, it's about you not having any control. And that's what it is, really. If we don't stand up now for the future, people will just be uh, acceptance of it. And it will be like China. We will have prisons. we have got to do it now. Stop now. or you never will.
2: It is incredible that we've kind of reached a point where their messaging makes, um, like, the Occupy messaging seem, like, very coherent and unified. Mm. They're just all (laughs) over the place at this point. It's not really clear what they're angry about, just bouncing from idea to idea.
3: yeah. We were just finishing up speaking when the crowd stopped again, this time at a suburban Nando's, where Piers Corbyn appeared out of nowhere and began giving an impromptu speech. I've seen Piers Corbyn at so many of these events now that I've become paradoxically quite fond of him and his insistence on sticking with completely inaudible loudspeaker equipment. Piers had a big announcement to make.
6: Alright, a stupid person is someone who believes that... In order to be able to travel to a shop within 15 minutes, all the cars in the neighbourhood have to be prevented from leaving the area three, five times a week. Now that is insanity. But this is what these people believe. This is what Antifa, Stop Oil and all that nonsense, they believe. They're actually deranged. But, you know, it needs you to tell them. And the answer to it all is we press on, with a united front across the country against all zoning, all the zoning, all the 15 Minutes, all the CAZs, all of them, absolutely all of them, and we can win. Because in London, I'm sure we can win. There's so much opposition now, we can. Break Huless and break Sadiq Khan! And then, next year, there's going to be an election May 2024, and I will stand for, I will stand for Mayor of London against Sinead Khan. next year. Yay! Thank you. Thank you.
2: Ah, finally a Corbyn who will accede to power and maybe make use of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good on him. Yeah, he should run London.
3: <laughs> the thing is, he ran last mayoral elections as well, but maybe he was... Yeah, I think maybe he he felt that because both him and Lawrence Fox both ran as anti lockdown candidates. So maybe he felt that Fox was kind of splitting the vote there. Yeah,
2: Hunter stole my stole my election.
3: (laughs) Classic Hunter antics. Yeah, classic. The next guy I spoke to was a real character, probably the image that shows up in your head when you hear the word conspiracy theorist. He looked to be in his 60s, wore a wide-brimmed hat, and had a grey ponytail. He was stood with a woman, I'm guessing his partner, who had long, bright red hair. He carried a sign that said, 15 Minute Cities. I thought it was a fake alien invasion next.
12: Okay. (laughs)
3: <laughs> <laughs> Just as he agreed to an interview with me, a woman with grey hair and her friend both popped up, asking if I could interview them too, since they were local. While being pursued for an interview was the emotional boost I needed after my string of rejections earlier, I was struggling, simply trying to talk to four people at once. I asked if I could come and find them afterwards. <laughs> Oh, I was just doing an interview, yeah. Oh, right. oh, oh. Can I get to get to you no, first, no, no, no. Uh, no.
9: next? I just want to from? ask
3: about... I'm from Norwich. Oh, okay. Um,
12: OK, we're going
9: to go. We're going to find the rest of that crew.
3: Oh, OK, well, I'll try and catch up with you. Uh, so, your sign says 15-minute cities. I thought it was a fake alien invasion next.
28: Yes, that's correct. Well, you see, in the last four weeks, the Americans have shot down more UFOs than they have in the last 40 years. So I, it might be a distraction. Uh, the 15 Minute Cities might be a distraction. Project Bluebeam, look that one up. And, uh,
3: What's Project Bluebeam?
28: That's the fake alien invasion that the CIA have been planning for the last 40 years.
3: Oh, with the balloons?
28: Mm, that that's, uh, <laughs> that's a little fakey thing. Just... Oh, okay. We've come up from Eastbourne. <laughs> Eastbourne?
3: Which is up, down south. <laughs> Nice, yeah. So, uh, is a 15-minute city being planned by your council?
28: Uh, not that they've told us, but knowing yeah, but them, they expect so. Now No, all they do else. is we'll they just turn friends. all our hotels into migrant hostels. Okay. We've had 14 hotels on our seafront turned into migrant hostels. Uh-huh. I've had to close my antique business because I, I rely on tourists.
12: So,
28: it's, on, and so it's uh, you know, we've got our all got our issues and problems
3: yeah. is that connected do you think oh, yes. uh, migrants with the yes the
28: cities? whole things are connected the aliens the 15-minute cities the covid the war well,
3: talk, talk me through it then how is it connected what's the
28: well they're what trying do we to do a depopulation yeah the <laughs> new world order one world government there's georgia guidestones in america suggested to keep They put ten rules for mankind. The first one was to maintain world uh, population at 500 million or less. There's about eight and a half billion at the moment. So a few of us have got to disappear. And I don't think they're going to ship us off to the moon. (laughs) Even though the aliens are involved. So uh, these things are all connected. They don't look like they're connected, Mm. but they are. It's all part of Agenda 2030, New World Order control depopulation
3: where should somebody go if they want to learn more about this
28: oh internet look carefully <laughs> <Dig>. <laughs> mm. and you'll find <laughs> okay. and if you ever see a guy called anonicue making comments that's me i'm no, quite well known
3: <laughs> thank you
28: anonicue
1: anonicue
3: yeah.
2: okay I've that is like the kind of- of- okay. That
1: is the weird, uh, uh, like yeah. alternate dimension version of the podcast uh, Twitter account. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah, this guy's good. He's good
2: and cooked. I- I the internet.
19: Like internet. He's <laughs> found a way to connect.
2: Internet. Where do you go? The internet. Internet. Of course, that's where you find out.
1: <laughs> they should have never given us the internet. It yeah. really, they really shouldn't. Have. Online gaming, okay.
14: Oh well.
1: Social media. Mm. No good email I could even do away with as well. You are not. Some people, some people probably not, but who likes checking their emails? Only psychopaths do.
3: I yeah. Don't. Good point.
2: You're trying to take the podcast down. I mean, we are internet. Huh? This is internet. No, we're not. This is <laughs> people listening. They're on internet. We're here. We're in a room together. We're not on the internet. The nope. bandwidth is low. We're both logged into this room. Yeah. And I'm posting at you. No. Yes. I ban you now. I can't hear you. Your connection is not great. (laughs) You can't hear me because you're banned. You're locked out of the forum.
4: (laughs) (laughs) As we
3: wrapped up that interview, I set off in pursuit of the two women. As far as I could tell, I hadn't actually spoken to anyone from Oxford itself yet, so I was really keen to talk to them. The crowd seemed to be thinning now. We'd walked about a mile and a half out of town and seemed to be heading through relatively empty suburban streets. It seemed like the energy was dissipating. I managed to catch up with the two women who'd approached me. So your sign says, no traffic filters, don't divide Oxford. Keep Oxford free, no to 15-minute cities. And you just told me that you're both actually from Oxford, which I think would be a first for people I've interviewed. So yeah, please do tell me about
9: what 15-minute cities mean to you as locals. Well... At the moment, we haven't, we haven't really got 15... I'll tell you about the LTNs, OK?
25: What they're going to do is that they say that they're going to put bus filters, which is bus gates, oh, on the, on, uh, on these connection roads. We only got five, six connecting to city centre. And then people come all over uh, Oxfordshire to work in city centre. And we are saying, no bus gate. That is a 15-minute city because they want to lock us down here. In, in you can only drive in this area, but we can't because
9: bollards are and there. But you can see, all yeah. up this entire road, do you know Oxford? No. No, all up this entire road, ev- there's a bollard, above, well, um, an LTN basically, yeah, low yeah. traffic neighborhood. all the way up,
12: Yeah, all the way up to the Ring
9: Road and all the way up the to, to, to Littlemore. So you cannot get through from another, there's another main artery there, Ifley mm-hmm. Road and Cowley Road, you cannot get through. So, I mean, it's gridlock at mm-hmm. certain times, mm-hmm. particularly in Russia. Yeah, it's because we can't, you here.
25: can't dr- drive into side roads so this road is jammed uh, especially school time yeah, and in and the morning, uh, and buses good, are late. People are standing on bus stops for forty-five minutes. I mean, sometimes I have to just get
9: off the bus and just walk to town. Yeah, right yeah. And, yeah. and taxis.
25: Um, Lots of taxi drivers live in this area. BME community live in this area. Working class uh, community this, live in this yeah, area. This is
9: like the working class area yeah. of Oxford. Yeah, uh, uh, and there's so many. They're all over Cowley and East Oxford, the, the posh side, North Oxford, Summertown, yeah. Nothing.
3: No. Nothing. No. <laughs> It quickly became clear to me that these women were not like my other interviews. They had very little interest in overarching conspiracy theories about the WEF or Klaus Schwab's grand plans for world domination. They genuinely were just opposed to low-traffic neighbourhoods and the proposed traffic filter scheme. The older woman said she worked as a mobile hairdresser and needed to drive all over the city as part of her job, and was worried that the filters would make her life harder. I decided to ask them how they felt about the supporters their cause had attracted from all over the country. They seemed a little nonplussed. It must be nice then, a feeling that there's been like you know people
9: have come from so yeah, far away yeah. today
3: to help you protest. Um,
9: well, yes, it is good. I, yeah, it's great. I mean, they've all got different agendas, haven't they? Like anti-Covid and all that. So, I mean, I've had my jabs. But <laughs> I've had Covid as well. But point those. You've had your jabs.
3: I've had my jabs, yeah. yeah so I'm
9: not yeah. anti-Covid. We're not anti-Covid ag group. It's just, no. it's just this is the issue. It's yeah, yeah, not, yeah, There's no other agenda in ag group yeah. at all. But I, I can understand people have their different agendas. Yeah. No, I don't often mention it in interviews because some people don't want to talk to you if you so say you your jab.
12: So.
9: Um, oh, don't they? No. Well, if you say your jab, it what can you say? I mean, when I spoke to people here, I have said... Oh, I've, and they said all the anti-Covid stuff. I said, oh, well, I've had my jabs you know I mean it's it's up to me it's it's a personal thing really whether you have it or not so but I can't believe they they wouldn't speak to you
3: (laughs) (laughs) but does that like (laughs) worry you then that like I don't know if people are coming with their agendas then does that make it easier for the council just to go oh it's all just you know
9: conspiracy theories well of course people will jump on the bandwagon and say that because they're Mm. they're kind of yeah, I mean, people are going to say that, but that's why yeah. I did I made all these banners saying Oxford, mm-hmm. so we are the Oxford anti-LTN group, and yeah. all these things, because I didn't want to be lumped in with all the other yeah. people. <laughs> sort of you know, I mean,
25: why are these horses there? Oh, they, Ooh, are they
9: expecting to have I don't
25: know. And
9: then you have all these awful people that put things online saying they're going to be, I don't know, anti. What they anti-fascists? Oh,
12: yeah. yeah, did, oh, did, did they, they show say. up? I don't think well, they like, saw I saw them.
9: I think they had another demo in Bond Square. Actually, I don't know who they oh, were, okay. but it didn't stop me coming. I thought I was just yeah. going to go anyway. You know what oh, I mean? So. Oh, most of these people are quite nice people. They're not, they're yep. not, they don't want trouble, do yeah. they? They're just got their thing. But you know, I think they said the anti fascist and the kids not wear masks. And, or, you know, you think, goodness sake, you a mask, together,
20: ladies, you're off. up to no good, aren't you, basically? So
9: we're just nice, decent people that just want to get rid of the LTA.
2: Yeah, that's very interesting. They're like, well, we we still weathered, like, the idea that anti-fascists might be here, which is scary to us as normal people who aren't conspiracy theorists, because that's just, you know, mainstream news.
3: Yeah, <laughs> no, completely. I mean, yeah, it just seemed like such a strange thing to happen for these poor women who just, yeah, were just opposed to this one local traffic scheme mm-hmm. so suddenly now they were just swept up in this culture war world of like covid and anti-vax and all the rest of it
2: i like that even pro vax people are like i've had my jabs <laughs> the jab very funny <laughs> way to put it
3: yeah that's just i think jabs is just like a it's a non <laughs> it's a neutral word here in the uk I guess it does sound a bit violent.
2: Yeah, no one in the States is, like, using the word jab unless they talking about how it's, uh, you know, going to give you um, Bill, Bill Gates disease.
3: Oh, really? Oh, that's interesting. We wandered up to the green where the march had ended, but it was clearly thinning out fast. A band was playing and the remaining protesters had gathered to watch, but most people were peeling off pretty quickly to brave the not insubstantial walk back to town. I guessed since so few protesters were actually local that, just like me, they all had trains to catch. So I packed up my mic and started walking back too. On the way, I noticed a brief altercation between a couple of young people, who I'm guessing have been part of the anti-fascist demo because they were carrying signs, and a few women in their 40s carrying anti-15 Minute City placards. One of the young people started shouting at them, something like, I'm Muslim and I'm queer and I'm here to stay, kind of stuff. The women looked pretty bemused. We don't care, we're not protesting about that, one of them yelled back at him. (laughs) As I walked past, I heard one of them mutter to the other one something about how, quote, he wouldn't be allowed to carry on like that in a Muslim country. Mm. It occurred to me just how difficult it was to pin down the exact politics of the anti-Great Reset movement. It was clearly conservative, but didn't fit into the neat, obviously far-right nationalist tendency of groups like Patriotic Alternative and the Heritage Party. A few people had independently brought up migrants to me, but often with quite different perspectives, and yet it was clear that those far-right groups saw an opportunity here, which is why they kept showing up, intermingling with protesters and organisers alike. So while there are two political tendencies that are distinct, there's an unmistakable overlap there that the far-right are definitely looking to exploit. I've seen some left-wing people get a little excited about how much resistance the movement presents towards capitalist organisations like the World Economic Forum. And yet, when you talk to people on the ground, it feels like it would be outright twisting their words to try and say they're making a critique of neoliberalism. If anything, their main objection to the WEF is that it's not capitalist enough that the absolute freedom of the sovereign individual should be paramount to all other societal needs and concerns. Even if they mix in some complaints about unelected billionaires, it feels to me there's a pretty sincere reason I saw so many signs calling the WEF communist and Soviet. Another thing I've been thinking about a lot since attending that protest is the intertwining of conspiracy theory and ordinary politics. When I was covering the anti-lockdown movement, I remember having to stress continually at the time that of course opposing lockdown doesn't make you a conspiracy theorist and there's lots of non-conspiratorial reasons to oppose those measures. I find myself having to do the same for opposing 15-minute cities, ULES, low-traffic neighbourhoods and traffic filters. There's obviously plenty of people who hold those positions who it would be unfair to dismiss as illegitimate, as my final interviewer demonstrated. Having said that, I don't think you could attend the same protests as me, have all the conversations I've had, and avoid the conclusion that conspiracy theories are very definitely what's driving the momentum behind this on-the-ground resistance. If the protests in Oxford had been solely made up of locals like those two women, it probably would have consisted of a few dozen people at most. Instead, it attracted around 2,000 from all over the country, and that's because the majority there weren't protesting local traffic filters at all, but a global science fiction dystopia they're convinced is right round the corner. This will sound provocative, but it suggests to me there's a kind of reckless laziness on the part of some mainstream conservative politicians and pundits who oppose these policies. They don't even really need to argue their case properly anymore, because they can just rely on sly nods in the direction of the Great Reset and know that they'll receive a huge groundswell of grassroots support for their position. I think this final point is what frightens me the most about the self-described freedom movement though, which is that ultimately it all comes down to climate denial. And if you lose all the silly science fiction stuff about microchips and transhumanism and enforced 15 minute zones, it seems to me that the central anxiety at the heart of the movement is ultimately correct. The challenges of climate change do actually demand sacrifices from middle to upper class westerners. As a society, we fundamentally cannot keep consuming at the same rate that we always have and expect the planet to just keep ticking along nicely. The worst part is we've barely even seen that demand be made by anyone with real power, and maybe we never will, but it's clear that the UK has an already mobilised resistance movement ready to respond fiercely to even the mildest leaning in that direction.
2: Thank you for listening to another episode of the QAnon Anonymous podcast. You can go to patreon.com slash QAnon Anonymous and sign up to get access to a premium for every main we release, plus access to our series like Man Clan, Trickle Down, and the upcoming series by Brad and Jake. When you support us, you help us stay advertising free and editorially independent. For everything else, we've got a website, QAnonAnonymous.com.
3: You can find me on Twitter. I'm Annie K. Listener, until next week, may the deep dish bless you
10: and keep you.
27: It's not a conspiracy; it's fact. And now,
23: today's auto
25: Hello,
10: it's been a long time since I've done a bit of a rant, but I'm I'm in the mood for a rant. So, <laughs> these fifteen-minute cities. These fifteen-minute cities. I'm flabbergasted that people can't see see this shit. I, re- I really am. It, this If people do not get out of their slumber soon, their children and their grandchildren are seriously in a digital slavery system. We're already slaves as it is. The test run was given during the shit show of 2020 it was bloody obvious to a lot of us and we tried our best to wake people up. Now we're going to have to be clever with this because there's too many people that are stuck watching Gogglebox, curry totally disconnected to their own soul to not see the fact that they are being... It's like the fucking Pied Piper, isn't it?